You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of the show. Today, I've got Cam Berry and Tom Peavy with me. Also got our guy, T.P. Hammock, who's officially with us now for the fall. Uh, he did a great job with his internship and is now officially employee here. We're excited to have him on board. He'll be running the board on Wednesdays for us and on the show on Thursdays. Thursday, so also helping out in some other ways with high school stuff. So uh, excited to have TP on board with us. And so he is running the board, taking your phone calls today on the Auburn Bank phone line. Today on the show, we have a fun show planned for you. Four o'clock, we will have Brian Matthews on. He will be talking uh, all things Auburn football, where we stand in fall camp as we're about halfway through fall camp as we get closer and closer to the football season. Now 17 days till Auburn football takes the field, uh, just 10 days from week zero. So football is very near. We'll have a sports call 5 at 5. That one will be about the Atlanta Braves today. And in the 5 o'clock hour also we'll have a preview of Tennessee football. Uh, yesterday we previewed LSU. We continue to go through through uh, all the SEC schools. We're about to get through all of those previews uh, culminating with Auburn uh, on Monday of next week. So we're getting pretty close to football is what all of that means. So we'll continue to have more thoughts on fall practice and on all these uh, position battles and how Auburn is shaping up there on the gridiron. So uh, excited about another show. We'll also spend a brief moment on the uh, funeral for our Thunder Chicken season uh, as well. But uh, that came to a close last night. But excited to have another edition of Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. Again, Ryan, Cam, and Tom with you here on this Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon. Start with you, Cam. Hope you are well. Good to see you, sir. Doing very well. Yeah, enjoying a Wednesday, and um, you know, been watching a lot of Braves and RIP to our Thunder Chicken season. And um, but yeah, Braves facing off against the Yankees. Um, I guess it's my first time on the show, and I, I enjoyed watching some preseason football this past weekend. Uh, watching the Falcons, and they they won their first preseason game against. Um, the Miami Dolphins were down in Miami, and um, now they're they're getting ready to face off against the Bengals. And uh, excited for that one specifically because all of the starters will be playing. Arthur Smith has already said that that um, all of the starters will be 
uh, participating in some sort of way. So I'm excited to see Bijan make his debut. Uh, excited to see Desmond Ritter. Excited to kind of see what this full-powered offense looks like. And um, really happy with how the defense, just the second-team defense, their, their D-line, I mean, um, five – Five sacks, two forced uh, turnovers, which is very surprising. If anybody out there follows the Falcons, you know that the defense has been something that they have not been able to hang their hats on. So seeing that and, um, um, you know, being able to see, well, hey, we might have some confidence in our defense, uh, that's definitely a um, – a, a welcome sight so it getting like like you said ryan getting closer to football season i'm getting more more excited getting ready for some fantasy football drafts as well so um yeah doing really well and and football season's right around the corner i can taste it absolutely and we'll of course have nfl previews when we get a little bit deeper into the preseason after we preview all the college football season yes, so uh it's great to be previewing all this stuff uh, and, of course, we'll be breaking down a lot of stuff here in just a couple of weeks once everything gets going. Tom Peavy also on the show today. Tom, hope you're doing well again. Good to see you. Yeah, doing well. And, uh, yeah, came up short last night with the old Thunder Chickens, but uh, there really wasn't much we could do with that team. I mean, that had... is putting it lightly. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, I, I mean, outside of just obviously not scoring enough runs, we didn't make any errors on the infield. I mean, there were no stupid mistakes that were made defensively. I mean, everything was done, handled fine uh, on the defensive side of things. It's just you can't keep up with a team like that unless you just have some big bats. And, I mean, they had, they, they had already hit their limit of home runs in, what, the first two innings? First yeah. two innings. Um, you only get three home runs in a game. They hit two in the first inning, and both of them were two-run shots, or was yes. one of them three-run yeah, runs? Yeah, 4-0 after one. So, yeah. yeah. So, two two-run home runs, and, and, I mean, it's slow pitches. Not much you can do about that. And, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. But it was a fun year. We got our first win. We did not finish last in the league. Yep. Uh, so, looking forward to moving on to the next. But So, uh, outside of that, just looking forward to everything else going on in the world of sports. Braves still kicking along. Another big win over the Yankees last night. Uh, man, through one hitter, yeah, one hitter, yeah. yeah. That's a uh, elder, right? Yep, Bryce, yeah, Elder, Bryce Elder, one hittings, and uh, I think uh, two other relievers closed it out yeah. for the one hitter. So, yeah. uh, Brave, Braves really kind of starting to heat it up again. Maybe the <clears throat> the the two New York teams are their catalyst to like get yeah. back on that pre All Star uh, break hot streak that they were on. Play teams with big payrolls, yeah. For our yeah. our Thunder Chickens last night, uh, two two thoughts. One. Um, after they hit those three homers, there was a ball in the third or fourth inning, I can't remember, that went over my head off the top of the wall. Yeah. And I had never rooted for a ball to be a home run before. <laughs> but the rule in softball is that if after you hit the home run limit, it is an out. Yeah. So instead, it was like an RBI triple, but it was one foot away from oh, I, a homer, like the top of the wall. Yeah. And I was rooting so hard as I ran back there for that to be a homer. Uh, so I've never had that feeling before. I was like, dang it, it wasn't Homer. <laughs> right. um, so that was a new feeling. Uh, the question is for next year, because I, I think the interest is still there. We still enjoy doing this. Yes, it, it does. Uh, look, we do want to win more, obviously, but uh, we do have a lot of fun. What it, What is the proper goal for next year? Like, should it be a 500 team? Should it be to win a playoff game? Should it be when you know three wins like like what should be the i i think just for the for the caliber of teams that are out there and you know unless we just load up on monster ball guys uh 
I would say that, you know, let's get three wins. You know, there were teams out there that we should have beat. We should have won two games this year already because, yeah. I mean, we we just flat blew it against uh, the yeah. uh, Auburn yeah. United Auburn, Methodist. Auburn team. Church of Christ. Yeah. Church of Christ, whatever it was. Um, I mean, we just flat blew that game. So, I mean, that should have been a, a second win. Uh, and there was a couple of those that I thought that we were really close. So I don't know that we would be able to get to 500 just because there are so many yeah. top caliber teams in that league that just absolutely crush a softball. I uh, have travel guys on there. I mean, you're not going to compete against that unless you get those same type guys on your team. I, I think for next year, I mean, I, I think the goal is to, you know, win two or three. And, yep. You know, it's the, the baby just step. The keep, baby, keep, the, yeah, the babyest of the baby. Out a player, out a win. Out a player, out exactly. a win. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so we had a lot of fun though with our it season. It was fun. Uh, it did conclude last night, but uh, we took the team picture and all that, and again had a good time. Uh, before we get to our first break and before we get to our first call of the day, let's do talk a little Auburn football. We've continued to lead off the show with various fall practice topics. Monday we had a complete breakdown of the scrimmage from Saturday, so if you want to go back and listen to that, check it out in the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Uh, but the quarterbacks continue to obviously dominate conversation, and there was another practice viewing window for the media last uh, last night last evening and, and uh perfect time to where none of us could yeah. go it was moved all, or, all right. over the place like three different times yeah. uh due to weather and just other schedules and stuff so uh, ultimately around six o'clock last night though the media media viewing window happened and saw several members of the auburn beat talking about it appeared that there was a clear differentiation between two quarterbacks and a third quarterback that it appeared that it was only Robbie Ashford and Peyton Thorne uh, working with units of the team uh, in certain drills while Holden Gurner was then off to the side a little bit set apart uh, there is going to be another Hugh Freeze press conference tomorrow at about three o'clock so again during the show where we cannot go uh, but there will be another Hugh Freeze presser tomorrow where we can hopefully have confirmation, but it is now believed, uh, based off of practice yesterday, that the race very well may be down the two, and that it is Holden Gardner uh, that has been cut from from the competition. I know Tom that you had talked about the positive signs for Gardner in recent days, recent yeah. weeks. If we're going off that, it appears that he has still been the one to cut. He clearly made strides right. in the fall. So are you surprised to hear, knowing what we've been hearing the last week or so, that he is going to be the, the third guy it looks like? Or did you still feel like this was the, ultimately the direction it was going to go in? Uh, no, I mean, I, I trusted my, my source that said that he was going to be the second teamer. But, I mean, that was obviously just at that point, and things change all sure. the time. And, I, you know, that makes me wonder if, if that's what, the Hugh Freeze discussion was in the uh, press conference about the quarterbacks and um, had my mind made up and things changed, but I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I've heard so many great things about holding out there. I haven't heard any negative stuff about Gurner. So, but you know, there's things that the media doesn't see. There's things yeah. that go on behind the closed doors and in the weight room and in the film room and different things like that. So things change. And so, uh, I, I think as you get close to the season, I mean, if you see Thorne and and Robbie running with the first with the first uh, group, then you have to assume that's probably where that's going. And so, uh, a little surprised because I really thought Gurner would was going to be able to step up and, and and show why he was a highly rated quarterback coming out of high school. But uh, it may be a deal where he's not getting the system 
figured out. Uh, because, again, you got to remember, there's this whole thing, you know, pro-style quarterback, dual-threat quarterback, blah, blah, blah. He was he was recruited into a, quote-unquote, pro-style system, which is not what they run here. Now, can you develop a kid into that? I'm sure you can, but that's not what he was recruited to Auburn for. He was a under-center pro-style passer and not a lot of read option experience, I don't think. So it may be one of those that he's not catching on to the read option deal, uh, but I don't know. Uh, We'll just see how it shakes out. Your reaction, Cam, to last night's seemingly reveal. Again, we can't speak with absolutes, and we hope that we can after tomorrow's Hugh Freeze presser, but uh, just react to the feeling that it is going to be Ashford uh, versus Peyton Thorne and that Gurner is going to be third after all. I'm not overly surprised. Um, I, I figured that it would come down to one of those two uh, between uh, Robbie Ashford and, and Peyton Thorne. Um, I figured with Thorne's experience, um, that would eventually be what is going to propel him over the top. Um, I mean, being a three-year starter, um, you know, that's invaluable experience. You know, Robbie has a lot of uses, I think. Um, and I, I still think it could end up where we end up seeing a package with Robbie um, using his legs because his, I mean, his wheels are truly invaluable. The man can move, and we've seen it, um, how, how his legs can really change a game. Uh, so, you know, maybe he can get the, the passing aspect down. Maybe he has, and maybe he's worked really hard to be able to, to get that to earn the starting job. Um, but, no, I'm not at all surprised that it's coming down to these two guys. Um, you know, Robbie's already been, uh, you know, he's been the starter. At, he was there last year, just kind of um, as things were progressing throughout the season, he really emerged and, um, but you know, earned some real playing time and earned the starting role. Um, and then, like I said, Peyton, you know, three-year starter, invaluable experience. So um, we'll see. It'll definitely be a battle because it's two different styles of quarterback that you're really going to be leaning on. Um, so whoever freeze finds more valuable in his offense that's who is going to end up uh winning the job right and again it's it's clear that thorn has to be a better passer because we know that that uh clearly robbie ashford can run the ball although it's certainly based off of the fbs experience at michigan state the last two years you would surely think that peyton thorn is is certainly came into camp as the much better passer now the question is how much did right. if any did ashford close that gap and if he did how much and then so that's when you're starting to do all the math in your brain well this guy you know he got 20 percent better but he needed to be 40 percent better and you're just you're just doing all these things in your head to say like what what matters more i think clearly though with uh, the array of wide receivers that Auburn's brought in here. Now, granted, one of them has to step out, or at least a couple of them need to need to step out. Right. Um, the hope is that the passing can continue to grow. I've talked a lot the last couple shows, it feels like, about these wide receivers and how I'm growing in optimism for these receivers. And no, I'm not just like sipping the Kool-Aid of like, oh, no. it's fall practice, so everybody's excited about everybody. But I am, to a degree... Um, very excited about the the style of receiver that's in here, and I just feel like you're not getting those guys to be still a a, a primary run or only run team, uh, and so putting that together, you would still think that Peyton Thorne is going to be the favorite, even though this race has been cut to two, not one. Uh, look, Ashford's, Ashford's legs are still something that are valuable, but look, I think that maybe his 
passing at least got good enough to rule Gurner out. Maybe that's right. what Freeze was referring to this past weekend after the scrimmage where we do know that Ashford and Gurner threw a touchdown uh, without any turnovers. So uh, it's it's continues to be interesting, but as you talked about, I mean, again, just two very different quarterbacks, and uh, that always makes for uh, a, a difficult-to-predict race. But, again, I think you bring in Peyton Thorne for a reason, and I think that passing acumen should yep. should hold uh, hold steady. We're going to take our first timeout of the show today. When we come back, we're going to go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time. Also, a little bit later, our birthdays in sports. And, again, at coming up at 4 o'clock, Brian Matthews will join us. Stay tuned. A lot more sports call after this. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Again, coming up at 4 o'clock, Brian Matthews to talk all things fall practice, where we stand as we're about halfway through fall practice. Fall practice began two weeks ago. And now we're just a little more than two weeks until the opening game against UMass. So uh, getting down to it right now. Let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today. James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. We hadn't heard from you for the last few days. I guess you were in Florida. Oh no 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 no! I, I was uh, I had to attend to other matters uh, with uh, my girlfriend. Well, actually, uh, my future fiance. Okay, all right. Well, uh, I'm sure that's not something you can share on the radio. So uh, sorry that uh, that was going on, but uh, good to hear from you today. Yes, as well because I've been uh, keeping up with a lot of uh, different things with Auburn, and I know we're um, we're actually so far out from our first opening season of the 2023 uh, season uh, against UMass University, and I've been looking at uh, some different changes um, that Auburn is actually going to do, and um, um, I was looking at uh, some changes in the quarterback's position and seeing about uh, Robbie Ashford or uh, Peyton Thorne, and I think uh, I came to a conclusion um, last couple of weeks that we need to start Peyton Thorne because he has um, more quarterback experience than Robbie Ashford and uh, the new uh, quarterback that we actually have uh, this year as well, uh, the other quarterback that we've um, added to the list. Yeah, Holden Gurner was that third quarterback. He's been in Auburn's program, though. Uh, last, last year he was uh, a part of the quarterback room. Uh, I think that with the Peyton Thorne, I, I think that he brings a, a, a clearly better passing acumen coming out of Michigan State his last two years. 
and led that team to a really successful year in 2021. So uh, I think some success there is in the background. I know Ashford uh, and Auburn last year, he was such a dynamic runner, but struggled as a passer mightily. Uh, and there was a lot that went into that, but just did not have the consistency nor the accuracy. So again, I think that's why we've all thought Peyton Thorne was uh, the front runner there, and I still think he is the front runner. But now they've cut it to two. You know, Ashford has that opportunity to try to beat him out. But again, I, I still think Thorne leads the way. Yeah. So if uh, Peyton actually steps up and gets the winning job, I think he would uh, start uh, that. You know, that process of getting that winning job uh, before Week One when we play against UMass University, because I think this is going to be a really good game, and I think this one that um, we're actually this game right here is going to be a win right here for us, and I think this game between Auburn and UMass. I know we played UMass University last couple of years ago. I think last year or the year before last. I'm not quite sure, but I have to look it back on the uh, schedule from you know years past and see. But I think this would be our year to actually uh, win um, our first game against UMass University as well. Yeah, I definitely think they're going to beat UMass uh, on their first week of the year. And then really I think they've got a great chance going 3-0 and because they're not going to lose to Sanford either in week three. It's just about Cal in week mm-hmm. two. And uh, Cal's still one of the lower Power 5 schools there. Uh, I still think even with the cross-country trip, Auburn should be able to start 3-0. Yes, that's well, because when we when the uh, college football season starts, I'm going to be looking at um, California's uh, schedule as well before they play us on uh, week two. So I'm going to be actually studying their games as well and seeing uh, how the University of California is actually going to uh, stand up to a good SEC team like Auburn as well, but I don't think that Cal is going to come with a win or a victory against Auburn because I know in week two, that's when they're going to start Robbie Ashford in week two, and then in week three, they're going to start Garner in week three as well. So I think they're going to rotate between Ashford and Garner in those two weeks as well. Yeah, I think once they name the guy, they're going to be hoping that they only need to start one guy. And, uh, again, that would be Peyton Thorne if he were able to keep the job. Uh, I think those other guys could play in blowouts because you traditionally see second and third string guys get to play, get to have an opportunity Mm -hmm. in the second half. But the starter should be Peyton Thorne if he were to be named the starter. Of course, still could be Ashford, but they'll try to maintain the same starter as long as the performance is okay. Yes, as well. And then when those three games are already – wins under our belt um we're actually i'm actually looking at um a couple of losses so i think we'll lose to um mississippi state but i'm not quite sure because i know um a lot of people in my twitter feed they were saying that auburn would go seven and five or six and six or seven and seven and six and these are like Auburn fans just like I am. And, you know, we don't know what the outcome is. We don't know what what the um, end results are going to be like after the end of the season. We, we won't know until 
that time actually comes around for Auburn as well. And then um, I was saying in my comments, I was saying that Auburn needs to make a national championship game because I was looking um, last couple of weeks, I was looking at some uh, highlights from last year when Auburn actually played in the old Georgia Dome against uh, Missouri. And I think that one would be like a rematch. I would love to see Auburn and Missouri actually play in uh, in Atlanta this year as well. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be the SEC title game this year, but uh, it, it certainly was in 2013 uh, when, when Auburn and Missouri played that very high-scoring game prior to Auburn going to the national title game. But, uh, yeah, no, we'll see what uh, year one for Hugh Freeze has. As you said, all those records are just predictions. We'll see how it plays out on the field. What else do you have on your mind today? Well, I've been looking at uh, some upcoming uh, news about uh, Michael Orr, and I know it's been around. It's been um, it's been said about his backstory of, of the uh, famous iconic movie, The Blind Side. It was not a true statement to uh, Michael's uh, backstory of you know of actually meeting a family out in. Uh, for for the um, old Miss Rebels, I don't think that was the true statement behind his uh, story as well. So that was just uh, the movie was okay, but the the information in that movie was all false. That did not actually happen to Michael Orr as well. So he did not in the movie. He signed a a letter of recommendation to attend the University of Ole Miss, which that did not happen in real life, in Michael Orr's real life as well. So he did not attend the University of Ole Miss. I don't know where they get that um, where they get that statement from, hey, James, from the movie. Hey, 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 mm-hmm? Just to correct you real quick, he, he did go to Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah my, Michael well, Orr Michael, actually did go to Ole Miss. Michael that, Orr is al- alleging something actually far far worse than that about yeah. uh, about a, not actually being adopted by those parents and uh, a, a situation there that's been in the news the last couple of days about them profiting from him and conservatorship and all that. So that, that that's what's being alleged yeah. there. It has nothing to do with him uh, going to Ole Miss. He he did go to Ole Miss. Yeah, so... It, so um, now, if he did go to Ole Miss, why didn't he play for the Ole Miss Rebels? You know, why? Why they? Uh, like, why did they put that statement in the movie? And why they? You know, like, what was the whole terminology behind that? Behind him? You know, you know, actually being. Like, I know he's 37 now, but in the movie, he was like 16 as well. Because it's a portrayal of events that happened yeah. when, when he was 16. Yeah, he, he played football at Ole Miss, James. He, he was actually a very, very good football player. Yeah, that's how player. he made the NFL. That's how, yeah, how he got to the NFL. He was a really good football player at Ole Miss. Yeah, so if he, if he played at Ole Miss, why they don't have his name edged in the Ole Miss uh, Hall of Fame with some of the other uh, legends at the University of Ole Miss as well. Yeah, just because not everybody ends up making the Hall of Fame, even if you're a pretty good player. Ole Miss has had other guys drafted uh, that ended up not making their Hall of Fame. So, again, you have to be above and beyond, and 
Uh, again, I can't speak to everyone that's in their Hall of Fame, but uh, yeah, just because you make the NFL, not everyone makes the Hall. Yes, as well, because I know, um, you know, for us as Auburn uh, fans, we've actually got so many people, uh, you know, past and present that actually played in Auburn and, you know, made great uh, success and careers, um, you know, in the NFL. And, you know, some of those guys that actually do come back to actually help out with Auburn as well. And, you know, I've seen a lot of pictures of, you know, of Bo Jackson, Frank Thomas, uh, Pat Sullivan, Cam Newton, uh, uh, you know, uh, Ralph Shook Jordan. But I think if they're going to put another another uh, statue out in front of Jordan Hare Stadium, I'll probably say the next statue that I would love to see in front of Jordan Hare Stadium would actually be our own uh, friend of the show. Trayvon Reed. Uh, I would love to see a statue out there of uh, Trayvon Reed as well. Yeah, we certainly love Trayvon. I know that uh, he certainly loved his time at Auburn, was able to make the NFL now uh, recruiting like crazy for Auburn and, uh, and working with football team. But, uh, yeah, no, he was he was obviously awesome. Well, any final thoughts today before we have to let you go, James? Um, I don't have any final thoughts as well, but I'll um, probably call you all back tomorrow because I know over the um, big weekend was Elvis Presley's um, birthday and his passing, so probably tomorrow I'll get some Elvis Presley uh, trivia as well. Want some Elvis trivia tomorrow. All right, then. Uh, well, we'll talk to you then. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We now go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally. Toll free, one 9 tiger 9 Next up, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you doing? Hey, Ryan. Hey, Tom. Hello. Damn, my man. What's up? Hey, how's it going, Matt? Fine. Hey, I want to, uh, if James is listening, James, we're not going to listen to Mississippi State. There you go. I can, t- I-, I can tell you that we're not going to lose to Mississippi State. We're going to lose to Georgia. I know that. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fair. And we're not going to lose to we're not going to lose to Mississippi State or Ole Miss. Not going to lose to Arkansas. Not going to lose to LSU. I mean LSU. Uh, we're not going to lose to Stanford. We're not going to lose to New Mexico State. Uh, we're not going to lose to Texas A&M. We're going to lose to Georgia. We're not going to lose to Bama. Um, but he was talking about seeing a statue of Tavon Reed. I would like to see a statue in front of General Hare Stadium of Cadillac Williams. Sure. Yeah. Great Cadillac. Yeah. And so, so hey, I was going to like to talk about, um, I heard you guys didn't do, do too good in your guys' game. Sorry about that, but Tom, did you get any hits? I uh, no, I went over two. I I hit an absolute monster shot into the gap, and their left fielder just made a play. My first at bat was pitiful. I popped up to the pitcher, but um, no, I I, I hit an absolute looked perfect. perfect uh, yeah, off the bat. I, I hit an absolute rocket shot into the gap, uh, and their left fielder just came scream out running as fast as he could and reached out and made a play on it so took a, he, he took a double away from me 
Canby, do you get any hits? Um, I only got one at bat, I think, if I remember correctly, but I did get on base. The guy walked yeah, me. Yeah, Cam had an RBI walk. He walked with the bases loaded. What about JJ? Uh, JJ went yeah. two for two. Yeah, JJ had a couple of hits. Yeah, the infield hit that he legged out is just a like a swinging bunt, and mm-hmm. then he had a nice line drive in the outfield. Well, hey, I just want to talk about like um, you guys were talking about. Uh, the question is, you were talking talking about like um, Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford. Yeah. Um, and so, so um, I agree with uh, James that Thorne should be our quarterback, but. Um, I think that you probably will say like can't say Thorne gets the the stop job. He'll be the starting quarterback in the first game, second game, and then where do you have maybe Brown playing? Um, do you have Brown play, playing maybe wide receiver, or do you have him playing a wildcat? Hank Brown? No, Hank Brown's not going to play this year. Uh, he's going to be like the the fourth string quarterback and. They won't move him to a different position. He just simply won't play. Would you, do you guys probably see maybe Gardner a Wildcat? Holding Gardner, again, not necessarily in a Wildcat package. He might play and mop up duty uh, depending on, on how big of a, a lead Auburn can get in a couple of these weaker – against these weaker opponents. But uh, he he since he's not the most mobile, they wouldn't put him in a Wildcat pack, package. Okay. And, hey, Tom, this question for you and Cam. Number twenty-two, um, I can't think of his name. Um, he played against right behind um, Tank Biggie and Devon Hunter, Aniston. Demari Austin. Demari Austin. Yes. Yeah. Do you guys probably see him playing Wildcat or or Cobb? I don't know much about the the Wildcat, but he will get playing time mm. as the running back. I, I'm not sure. Wildcat might not be used as often as you're you're thinking, Matt. But uh, Demari Austin will definitely get some playing time. He'll be in the rotation. Um, I would imagine that he'll probably be the the second running back behind Jarquez Hunter, um, depending on how that shakes out. But I would imagine he's the number two running back. Uh, he's extremely talented, so uh, he'll definitely see the field. What, what about the one that we got from South Florida? Brian uh, Betty. Brian Betty. Uh, he, I think he may see some playing time. I've heard a lot about his uh, ability to do kick returns, but uh, he's a small guy. If they if they need to, they'll use him kind of on the edge. But he's not. I don't think he's going to be the guy that is going to carry it every down. He's not an every down back and and banging in the middle. But they might have some stuff for him on the outside. Okay, uh, uh, Ryan. This question for you and Cam. Uh, who do you think, like, can you guys compare Thorne to Bo Nix? Uh, not. I think they're they're different guys. I, yeah. I think that uh, Thorne is still much more pocket oriented. Yeah, now, I was, now, I was say Bo's more mobile. Yeah. Now, Bo, Bo still operates in the pocket a lot. I mean, it's not like there's a, a million design runs for him, but he is definitely the more mobile of the two. Uh, Nix can try and get the ball out quickly. Thorne willing to to wait for deep shots and that sort of thing. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's some similarities, but they're still pretty different. Do you guys think – now, this question is for all three of you guys. Um, Tom, I'll start with you first. But, like, you guys – well, I'll ask all three of you guys, and you guys can give your comment. And then I want to do some Tim McGraw trivia. Um, do you guys think 
Did you guys hear about Bo Nix in his name for the Heisman? And do you guys think he'll win? Do you think Bo Nix will win the Heisman this year? Uh, no, I don't think he's going to win the Heisman. Uh, I, I His name will be talked about, but uh, I, I think there's just some other guys out there that uh, that are a lot better. In fact, I would not be surprised if, if uh, Caleb Williams won back-to-back Heismans for the first time since Archie Griffith, but um, I don't think Bo Nix is going to win the Heisman. I think he'll have a good year, but it's not going to be Heisman Trophy caliber. Who is it you play for in one of you just mentioned? Did you play for Ohio State? Who was that? Archie Griffin. Yeah, he's he at Ohio State. State. Yeah. Okay. So, so, what do you guys? Well, before I do tri- trivia question, we're not going to have time to do trivia today, Matt. We're going to have to get okay. to our next break in here in just a second. Okay. So, what do you guys think? Like, uh, Cam, this question is for you, and then Tom and Ryan, you guys can answer this. But Cam, what what do you think? Who do you think is going to win between UMass and? New Mexico next Saturday, and what is your score for that game? I'm saying I'm saying 34 28, uh, UMass. Yeah, well, I I don't know if we we have a great feel in that game, Matt. I, I think that uh, I'll let Cam or, or somebody else here answer in a second. I, UMass is supposed to be genuinely one of the worst teams in the FBS. New Mexico State's not going to be much better. I would probably lean New Mexico State, but uh, it, that those teams will be towards the very bottom of the, of the entire FBS. So, 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 Cam, what's your score on that game? Yeah, I'll um, yeah, I, I can I can probably go you know maybe thirty five twenty seven somewhere around there. Uh, I, I think that would be a solid score. What's your, what's your score, Tom? Oh goodness, UMass or New Mexico State, big one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll. You know, I'll 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 say New Mexico State. I'll go like thirty to seven, something like that. Okay, you got so you're saying that UMass is the worst team. They they are absolutely supposed to be one of the worst teams in all of college okay, football. Okay, here's my score on UMass New Mexico. I said thirty four twenty eight, but I'm going with New Mexico. I'm saying fifty six uh, to. Um, New Mexico State fifty six, uh, UMass twenty four. Well, that'd be a blowout. I again, I I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I but New okay, Mexico State hey, is favored. Hey Tom, did you ever talk to your uh, girlfriend about still coming? Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll see if we can't get her uh, to come in the studio sometime. All right. Well, I'll talk to you guys. I'll talk to you guys Monday, and you guys have a good weekend. And Tom, keep up being good, and I'll find out. When you guys are, I'm going to find out how you're good on Monday. And uh, I hope Brooks coming in. If you guys can try to get it to my, my man, Devon Reed, to come in or Cadillac. All right. We'll certainly try. We appreciate uh, War Eagle. Appreciate the phone call, Matt. That is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take one more timeout here uh, before the end of the hour. Back with more again. Brian Matthews coming up at four o'clock. Stay tuned. More sports call after this. Stay tuned. 
You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Coming up in just a few minutes, top of the hour, Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals will join us to discuss where Auburn football is and the quarterback process and various step chart battles and what, how this team's been looking and what the vibe is like the first couple of weeks here of fall practice that's coming up in just a few minutes stay tuned to that but for now to close out the hour time for birthdays and sports it's time for today's birthdays and sports all right birthdays and sports today we've got a good list for you we start off with christian okoye who turned 61 former kansas city chiefs running back okoye was born in nigeria lending uh, to his nickname the Nigerian Nightmare. He arrived in the U.S. at 21, attended Azusa Pacific University. Go Cougars! Which, good research, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) I would not have known that. Where he started playing football and participating in track at age 23. He won seven national titles in track and field and excelled in football, leading him to be the second-round pick of the Kansas City Chiefs in 1987. Played six seasons in Kansas City, was a two-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, and one-time NFL rushing yards leader. At the time of his retirement, he was the franchise leader in rushing yards. He's a member of the Chiefs Hall of Fame. Christian Okoye is 61 today. Yu Darvish is 37, pitcher for the San Diego Padres. Darvish was born in Japan and began playing baseball in second grade. Went pro in Japan at 19 despite having offers from MLB teams and was the best player in the Japanese league for seven seasons. Five-time All-Star, two-time MVP, three-time strikeout leader, two-time ERA leader, one-time league champion. He signed with the Texas Rangers in 2012. Has been pitching in the majors since. He is a five-time All-Star in Major League Baseball, one-time All-MLB selection, and one-time MLB wins leader. Hugh Darvish is 37 today. He was a he was a superstar at Tohoku High School in in Japan. I don't know if they have a mascot. However, there is also a Tohoku International School, which is right next to it, where the American kids go. Go Eagles. Go Eagles. Okay, American so, Eagles. Yeah. The, yeah. The, there you go. Makes sense there. So, Darvish, 37 today. Will Zalatoris is 27, professional golfer. Zalatoris was born in California, moved to Dallas as a teenager, where he won the U.S. Amateur Junior title in 2014. Played college golf at Wake Forest. Go, Deacons. Where he was ACC Golfer of the Year in 2017. Turned pro in 2018, making the PGA Tour two years later and won Rookie of the Year. He has finished second at three different majors and won the St. Jude's in 2022. Currently ranked seventh in the world. Will Zao Torres is 27. Yeah, that that first uh, junior amateur, I think the Chief City one, what was it? The... Yeah, the uh, the U.S. Amateur uh, Amateur Junior Title in 2014. Junior Title, yeah. Uh, when he won that, he was at Trinity Christian School in Addison, Texas. Go Trojans. Go Trojans, okay. So a Trojan was Will Zalatoris, who is 27 today. 
And Caleb Dressel is 27, Olympic swimmer for the United States. Dressel was born in Florida and began swimming in Olympic trials at 16, becoming the first teenager in history to swim the 50 relay in under 20 seconds. He swam at Florida where he won, where he won 10 individual national titles and 10 team national titles, breaking several NCAA records in the process. He made his first Olympic Games in 2016 where he won two gold medals and set multiple world records. And again in 2020 where he won five golds. Caleb Dressel, 27 today. Uh, so he attended actually two high schools, sort of. Uh, he w- went to Clay High School, go Blue Devils, but he trained with the Bowles School Sharks in Jacksonville. Okay. Bowles is like a whole separate school. Uh-huh. I'm assuming Clay I'm assuming Clay High School that he went to doesn't have a swim team or uh-huh. swim anything, but Bowles High Bowles School in Jacksonville. Swam with sharks, huh? So he was a shark. Okay. That makes sense. That's a, that's a good place to shark do, do, do. Oh, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> uh, those are the birthdays in sports today. Christian Okoye, 61. Hugh Darvish, 37. Will Zalatoris, 27. Caleb Dressel, 27. All those guys did not have, like, the typical high school to college to pro uh, path for the most part. Only really Dressel, uh, who went from high school to, to Florida, then, then pro. Uh, uh, Zalatoris, Trinity Christian. Oh, he went to Wake Forest, too. Yeah, Trinity yeah, Christian to Wake, Wake Forest. Forest yeah. Yep. Uh, those first two guys obviously being foreign, little little different paths being in the foreign leagues and that sort of thing. But uh, good list right there of birthdays and sports. Again, coming up here in just a couple minutes, Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals will join us uh, as we talk all things fall practice. A little bit later in the show, again, we will have a sports call 5 at 5. That will be Atlanta Brave Center today. And coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, uh, we will have Tennessee uh, as our t- preview today uh, for the uh, continuation of 14 schools and 14 shows as we preview all the teams this fall. All that coming up and more next as we continue on with this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. We'll be right back with Brian Matthews right after this. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. 
It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy. And Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. And we're now excited to go back to our Auburn Bank phone line. And we now welcome on Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals, who uh, we are excited to have back on the show. Brian, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good. I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. We are in the middle of it with fall camp, almost about halfway through until uh, the start of the season, now 17 days away, Brian. And, of course, uh, we, we start with something that I think everyone starts with this time of year when there is a quarterback battle. Uh, and you guys saw something interesting yesterday at the media viewing window. It appeared that we might be down the two, kind of take us inside that quarterback race. Yeah, that's how I felt. I, w- I wouldn't say it's officially official, but uh, yeah, it certainly looked like Peyton and Robbie Ashford were the top two there. We got to see two different uh, sets of um, uh, little uh, position drills they're doing. One was sort of a run through with the offense, and um, in that uh, drill, uh, Peyton went first, Robbie second, and Holden third. And then they divided up the offense uh, into two and did uh, a blitz period on, on both sides of the field. And uh, one group included Peyton and Robbie, another group, group included, included Holden and some walk ons over there. So, um, And Robbie went first in that group and Peyton second. So. To me, it looks very much like uh, you know Peyton Robbie are the final two, which is what we expected. But I, I think we also, if that's the case, got to give a lot of credit to Holden. Uh, I thought uh, he had a good, really good camp, uh, showed improvement, and, and showed that he's going to be able to compete, you know, going forward and be a a guy that can help out Auburn this fall if needed, and then be a you know potentially compete for a starting job in the future. Yeah, and the first scrimmage was on Saturday, as we know. And I think one of the comments that made people so intrigued from that Saturday scrimmage was Coach Hugh Freeze was when he was asked about quarterbacks, and he said well, he had to go back and look at the film, and uh, he was sure, but then had to look back in the film. I guess that was in reference to maybe Holden making it more competitive with Robbie in hindsight, or 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 that sort of thing. And let's talk a little bit about that scrimmage on Saturday. What do we know about how uh, the offense operated with the various quarterbacks and just, just how the run game went, just just some of the items on the offense side of the ball? Offensively, they ran the ball really well, especially early uh, with the pace. Uh, Demari Alston had about a 60, 65-yard touchdown run. You know, and I think all the running backs had their moments uh, for sure. So, um, And I think Rob um, Demari Alston is having a great camp. I thought he had a, a really good spring, and I think he's just stepped it up another notch. And I, I just think um, Auburn's running back room is loaded right now, and I think Auburn's running game is going to be really special uh, this season. I really do. Um, I, I like what they've done up front offensively on the line. They've got some experienced, uh, really good blocking tight ends. They've got some big receivers. To me, it all kind of adds up to having a really um, strong rushing attack. Um, from the scrimmage, you know, one thing that stood out to me was, is Freeze talking about the receivers. 
uh, having some missed assignments, maybe even some loafs. He obviously was not happy about that. and He seemed a little surprised because he said they were coming off a really good week. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure that's something they focused on a lot this week, right, after that. Right. And, um, you know, between Peyton and Rob, I didn't hear a whole lot of difference between them. Uh, but I think you got to um, sort of put it in context of, of them working against uh, the number ones a lot defensively in some cases. And also, um, as Freeze talked about early and Philip Montgomery, about wanting to put those quarterbacks in adverse situations and see how they respond. And a guy like Peyton, with his experience, you know, his uh, power five starts, he's going to be put in maybe different adverse situations than the other two guys will, just because of the lack of experience maybe they have or, or, or what have you. So, um, you know, I, I feel like, um, you know, my prediction of Peyton Thorne, which is not anything, you know, big, I think most people feel that way, is, is probably going to come true. But I think they're going to let those guys compete for at least another week to ten days. Okay. And, uh, Brian, obviously everybody is, you know, focused uh, – on the offensive side of the ball with that quarterback battle and everything. But on the defensive side of things, this is an Auburn team that is looking to try to make some improvements over a defense that was really not very good last year. And it's a defense that has had historically some very good success. And last year was a big drop-off, it felt like. Uh, some some returning guys there, some new guys. What are you seeing on the defense? What is it looking like on the defensive side of things? I, well, I think they're going to be better than last year. And I think they've got some more depth up front. And I think this staff is smart enough to play that depth. If you remember, one of the biggest problems last year is they just didn't rotate enough, and the guys were just gassed by the end of the season. You know, I mean, Echo Leota having him banged up was was tough there. You know, he was going to be a big part of that defense too. But you got to rotate some guys in there too. And uh, I think the linebacker play is going to be better. Um, you know, there's no uh, you know Derek Hall on this year's team, but I think Jalen McLeod is an important player. You know, he's a true edge rusher and. Uh, Auburn needed a guy like that, and they need to keep him healthy. He's going to be really, really important. Uh, but all these, um, you know, linebackers they brought in, uh, such as Austin Keys, are certainly going to help out there. And then Eugene Asante is, you know, one of the biggest surprises I think of fall camp and the way he's stepped up at that um, weak side or, or Willie linebacker. And uh, I'm excited to see him play and see what he can do because what we've been told is he's really, really making plays and has a really good burst and, and you know. Uh, can really attack the line of scrimmage, so I'm excited to see him. Uh, you know, once Auburn, um, you know, plays that first game, see what he can do. But um, I think the defense will be better. Uh, I think there may be some growing pains because they are shifting to a completely different system. They are going to be an attacking style defense under Ron Roberts, and you know, I think there's going to be some mistakes that go with that, right? You know? Yeah. Um, I think we saw that in at the beginning of the scrimmage. They gave us some big play. Yep. Uh, so I think that's going to take a little time for them to. You know, settle into that, but um, you know, I think eventually you're going to see a better defense, an exciting defense, and a secondary that's probably going to uh, get a lot of interceptions and create a lot of turnovers. And you mentioned the secondary, and I, th- that's supposed to be the strongest part of this defense with so many great guys back there. But it sounded like Hugh Freeze may have had some. Uh, I don't want to say bad things to say about him, but I guess there were some struggles with tackling and some things that they pointed out. It, it was that just kind of maybe a, a, a bad day for them? I mean, is there any room for concern with that secondary, or do you think they're still going to be the strongest aspect of that defense? Well, I think, you know, you've got some experienced guys out there that, that can tackle it, but I think when you're in a new defense and you're out there thinking or not exactly sure where you're supposed to be or where you're supposed to go sometimes, 
uh, if you're not sure about things, you're a less sure tackler too. So I think that has a, an effect on it for sure. <laughs> That's a lot of sures. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, I, I have a lot of um, confidence in the guys back there. I think DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett, certainly Keontae Scott, Jalen Simpson, those are all guys that can play on the next level. You know, some of them really play and some of them, you know, at least make a roster and, and play some. But, um, you know, I think they got some guys back there, some dudes. They just got to get comfortable and, and know exactly what they're doing. I think Zion Puckett is a guy that uh, knows what he's doing, right, and, and can help out the other guys get them set. But I just think it's going to take, take them a little time to learn to play in the system. And Brian, we see with the start of season, some teams decide to have their their big non-conference game to start the year. Sometimes they don't really end up playing a huge non-conference game. This year is kind of along those lines where uh, Cal is that week two game, but Cal is still one of the, the, the bottom power five programs right now. Uh, so how difficult, like like when we're going through the first three games, obviously if Auburn had something egregious going and lost the Cal game, that would be concerning. But but how difficult is it going to be to evaluate where everyone is through three weeks, I mean a quarter of the season, knowing that A&M and Georgia is going to be such a different level of, of contested yeah. there those next two weeks? Well, that that is going to be a big step up, right? But I think Auburn needs three games like this with a brand-new staff, with everything they went through, with you know half the roster basically turned over, all these new new new, new faces playing in different uh, schemes and such. So I, I just think they need that time and those games, and you know to make those mistakes early uh, to get better, uh, you know, and be able to face uh, a Texas and A and M on the road, a Georgia at home, and LSU on the road. I mean, I think they're going to be underdogs in all three of those games, probably, depending on how Texas A and M starts. Um, so that's that's three really really tough games, and um, I think Auburn can win their first three. You know, it's UMass at home. Cal on the road. I don't. I don't think Cal is that good. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe they'll prove me wrong. And then Sanford back at home. So that's an opportunity to get two good, solid home wins and play a lot of players and also get experience going on the road far away and playing a team. Uh, you know, in some adverse uh, situations, maybe. So uh, I think that's the perfect start for what this team needs. But they will definitely have to step up. You know, starting um, you know at Texas A&M in, in Week Four. Talking to Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals today on Sports Call. A couple more for you, Brian, as we start to wrap up a little bit. We'll get into one uh, little bit different question here in just a second, but I guess to close with the football aspect of this, over the next couple of weeks, obviously, there'll still be a few more position battles to go through. How many more battle? I mean, I guess how many positions are we still uh, kind of counting right. as still battles at, at, at this point? Well, I would say on offense, um, right guard appears to still be, you know, open there. I think it's between – I'm sorry, not right guard. I think Cameron Sutton is one right guard. Left guard, uh, Jeremiah Wright and Tate Johnson, I think that's really close there. I think most of the rest of the um, line positions are set. I think wide receiver is as wide open as it can be, especially on the outside positions. I think uh, Javarius um, and Jay Fair are the, your two slot guys. Uh, with Caleb Burton also able to work in there. I think that's the strength of that group, but I think the the outside guys, you know, because some guys have been banged up because of these newcomers, I, I just think that may be, you know, figured out as the season goes on. We'll see who can step up there, but Shane Hooks and Jair Shorter uh, to uh, the transfer certainly will have that opportunity. Caleb Burton, another transfer. And then, you know, you got a Malcolm Johnson, you got a Camden Brown, 
you got a Coy Moore. You just don't know who's going to step up there. We'll see. Uh, but, but that, to me, is as wide open right now as any position. I'm not sure anything's set uh, there. And then defensively, you know, I think Jason and, and Justin are, are battling it out to be the starter. I think both those, both those guys are going to play um, very similar snap counts at nose guard, and, you know, they can slide over to D-tackle if, if they need them to. Um, you know, and I think, um, you know, there's still some battles at linebacker, although I think Austin Keys is probably going to be the starter at Mike. You know, Cam Rowley is certainly battling there too. And, and then Eugene Asante, Larry Nixon, um, some others are battling there at that Willie linebacker. I, I really like what Eugene has done. And then I think the secondary is basically set, you know, unless somebody really, really steps up and steals something. But I, I think they're pretty solid there. Uh, Brian, switching over to the basketball side of things, uh, uh, yes. something that happened uh, still fresh on everybody's mind was uh, Flory Badunga. Uh, everybody thought he was coming to Auburn. It seemed like yep. all the crystal balls had him here, and suddenly it's Kansas. Uh, what do you think, and just in your mind, what do you think happened? What have you heard happen there that uh, made that decision happen that way? And also, where does Auburn go after missing out on such a big-time target? Uh, I, I don't know exactly why he chose Kansas over Auburn. I, I just, um, I, I think they just won a really uh, tough recruiting battle, right? I mean, you give them credit. Sure. Kansas is a blue blood. They're, they're a great program. So I'm not necessarily shocked by it. Um, but I think people are overreacting a little bit to it, too. I'm not talking about you guys, but just in general. Sure. Um, and, um, you know, for example, they lost on a Badunga, who we had number five overall. Aizen Newell, um, who was number 10 overall in, in that uh, 24 class, he's coming in for an official visit here in, uh, I think, two or three weeks or, or maybe four weeks. I don't know exactly when it is, but he'll be down here. So um, it's not like Auburn has, you know, blown you know blown up because of this. That They're, they're still going to sign a really good – uh, 24 class, uh, Pettiford, who's, who's already committed is, is just playing lights out, uh, this summer. And, and you can see his, his star even rising, you know, higher now about how good he is. And I also think the staff understands that, um, they can improve them, uh, their team a lot, a lot through the transfer portal too. You know, you got to balance how many of these, you know, one and done types are you going to recruit, right? compared to how many guys are you going to try to sign that could be two- or three-year players and how many guys are you going to try to you know, bring out the portal that can come and uh, maybe play for a year or two or three, depending on uh, you know, how, how, how many years of experience they have. So you know, I think you can improve your team in all those ways. And uh, Badunga is going to be a really good one, right? Uh, I think he's a one-and-done type. Uh, he's a terrific player. Kansas won a, a big battle there, but um, you know Auburn's going to going to win some too. And, and Bruce Pearl and his staff are really good recruiters, yeah. so uh, don't get too down about it. And Brian, you know, from time to time, we got to ask you about your beloved Liverpool. And I was talking to uh, JJ Jackson earlier today, and he said that it was it was hard to hard to know. I mean, there's so many new faces on Liverpool, yeah. so many guys out of there. What do you think about uh, the, the roster turnover and the team this year? It's been a little frustrating because they've been trying to assign a six, which is a defensive midfielder, for weeks and weeks. And they had two they had put offers on, and Chelsea ended up getting both of them. And now today, just minutes before I come on, they finally got one. They got a, um, I wouldn't say a young guy, but um, uh, Waturo Indo out of um, Stuttgart uh, over in the Bundesliga over in Germany. So um, he's a Japanese international, I believe. Uh, an experienced guy that will come in and, and do a job right away. Uh, they're getting him, I think, for less than $20 million, So that is actually a really good price. And they'll probably spend that. You know, they're, they're, they're 
prepared to pay, I think, $110 million for um, uh, Casado uh, from Brighton. So uh, they've got the cash now to maybe go out and get a really young guy that can also fit in and maybe um, address some other areas. So I'm excited about it. You know, they had to they had to turn over the, the, the midfield. It was really bad last year. They had a bunch of older guys in there, and um, most of those guys have moved on now. So it's, it's exciting to, um, you know, get to know this new team. He's Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals today on Sports Call. Brian, as always, the time's been greatly appreciated. I know earlier today produced an article about where kind of the depth chart is is kind of standing out right now. What else do you have uh, coming down the line with Auburn Rivals, and, and how can people read the work? Yeah, I appreciate that. And I uh, had a, a story on Cam Stutz earlier today and, and, and Stoltz the a story on Jeremiah Cobb, another really talented running back that Cadillac has brought to this program. And uh, we'll we'll speak to Freeze, and I think we're at practice tomorrow. I'm not sure, um, and all that and more. Of course, at AuburnSports.com, you can follow me on Twitter and uh, Threads at BMATAU. Awesome, Brian. As always, we appreciate the time. We're getting excited for football season. We'll be following along with your coverage, and again, just on the horizon. Again, appreciate the time today. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Take care. That is Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals today joining us on Sports Call. We're going to head to our first time out of our number two. When we come back, more on Auburn football. Also, another trip to the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here. Our boy T.P. Hammock. I called him a boy. He's still a man. He's still in college, though. Boy, man, you decide. But uh, our guy, T.P. Hammock, running the board, taking your phone calls this afternoon. Appreciate Brian Matthews for joining us on Auburn Rivals today or from Auburn Rivals today. As uh, Again, we're getting towards that halfway point in fall practice. Brian gave some great updates there on the depth chart, on where some things are standing in the quarterback battle, those first few games, and even Auburn basketball recruiting there towards the end as well. So if you missed any of that, go back and check it out in the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Now we go back to the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Okay, I thought I was calling Sports Center. Uh, Sports Center? Uh, not quite. Not quite. Not quite ESPN Sports Center yet, huh? Uh, okay. No, we're getting there, though. We'll get there. All right, guys. I'm just trying to have a little uh, yes, sir. over there messing with you guys. Good afternoon to you all. Uh, great uh, comments. Uh, I enjoyed listening uh, to Mr. Brian Matthews' observation. Speaking about uh, our defense, guys, how about this quote that was really, uh, to, to me, uh, just entertaining and um, to, to me just tells me uh, our, our uh, assistant coaches are not fooling around. Here's the quote, guys. You tell me who said it. They have to be able to climb a barbed wire fence with no shirt on. Just the strain and just understanding that they have to go 
just understand that this is Auburn football. I mean, it ain't finesse. It's hard-nosed. It's physical. We want to run and hit. We want to swarm the football so they see it. And we want it to look like as an Auburn defense to go out there and play. But it doesn't matter what it is. Just go swarm the football and go run and hit and play with each other to your left and to your right. In a quote. Who said that, guys? Um, I obviously a defensive I, coach. I, I don't know if yeah. it's Roberts or Josh Aldridge. I'm not, I'm not sure. Or McGriff. Listen, Zach Etheridge. Zach Etheridge. Okay. Yeah. Uh, somebody who has that kind of passion hopefully can translate it into performance wise, um, come practice and, uh, then into a uh, actual game day. But, uh, apparently, uh, they are, uh, they're letting the message be known. Hey, we ain't looking at no finesse. We ain't looking at trick plays. Uh, we're going to a hard smash-mouth football, right? Yeah, again, that's what Robert's defense has believed. A, a lot of blitzing uh, is going to be involved. And uh, as Brian just said uh, in that in that interview, definitely going to be attacking the football. Now, about that, guys, maybe I know we can't put very much stock into uh, scrimmages like Saturday. And I, I don't I don't know if I uh, what, uh, what your conclusion was from uh, Brian's comments about uh, the, uh, you know, the, the touchdowns that Demar also made, and some other running backs gaining what they did. Is um, your sense that you know we really got our work cut out for us for tackling on the defensive line, or the offense was just that better, and they knew what the defense was going to do? Uh, what, what do you make uh, of that stuff, uh, guys, on Saturday scrimmage? Well, that's the, the run defense. You know, just allowed a lot of runs. Well, that's always the million dollar question when you're when you're playing against yourself is which which side is real and maybe it's both good, maybe it's both bad, maybe one's good, one's bad. And uh, look, here's what we know: we know that the rush defense was not good last year. We know that Auburn's run game is going to be pretty good, and we know that they've got talented running backs, and we know that they've tried to reshape a lot of their front seven for this year. So. Look, I think Auburn will be able to run the ball this year. I think that part's real. Uh, will they be elite at it? I don't know. I, but I think they'll be pretty good. Defensively, that's that's the question. And how bad is it going to be? Will it be improved? How much will it improve? That, that, that's what we're, we're really just not going to know a lot of. Like Again, I based off what we know, I would find it a little bit better to hear of a really good run defensive scrimmage because, again, I, I trust the running backs on some level. Now, again, you could start to say, well, what about that offensive line? So, again, you start to play mind games with what's actually going on, what's actually real, and that sort of thing when you're playing yourself. But, again, based off what we know, what we feel we know, I think this run game will be good. So I think they can have productive days. Now, where the defensive line is, where that front seven's at, you know, that's going to be the question mark, and we're not really going to know that until they actually go and play other people. So if you were – an opponent playing Auburn uh, this season, uh, what would you be attacking more likely? The run game? Or would you be attacking the passing? You're talking about if you're an opponent playing Auburn's defense? Right. Well, I mean, I would be focused on the run game, I think, first. I mean, again, Auburn's perceived strength is their secondary. I know Hugh Freeze mentioned the tackling aspect of the secondary, but, again, that pertains to rushing, not not necessarily the, the pass game. Now, I will say that if Auburn does not end up generating a great pass rush this year, then you could pass, too, because even really good corners are going to get beat eventually if, if they are, are, are having to defend for five, six, seven seconds. So I would – 
probably say the run game would would, would be the way to start off with. But uh, over time, you start to wear everything out, and and we still know that there's going to be some really good quarterbacks in the league. There's going to be up tempo offenses. It's not to say that you just it's a no fly zone. I don't think it's that against Auburn. But certainly, if you're reading based on what happened last year, based on the perceived strengths and weaknesses of Auburn's defense, yeah, I think you start with a, a mentality of running the ball first. Okay, and uh, continuing that, you know, Brian Matthews said about the first three teams, you asked him, you know, uh, how would that be really an advantage or not, you know, uh, for Auburn's team to know, you know how good we are. You know, he made it well because of new coaching staff. Uh, they probably would benefit from, uh, you know, having uh, – not not really uh, very challenging opponents. However, I throw this at you, though, guys, because they're not that challenging opponents. Uh, how well will the coaches know how good they really are or not on the defensive side or on the offensive side? Well, I think his point there is that this team is so new, everything about it's new, that to be throwing into the fire of a known commodity or a really good team the likeliness is that you're not going to be ready for that. And the likeliness is that you play a really good team, you're going to get beat. And you'll learn a lot. Uh, it'll help you going forward, but it's it's going to lead to a, an early season loss. Playing weaker teams helps you see mistakes that are less costly. The mistakes will still exist, but they won't cost you the game. They'll cost you a certain possession, or they'll cost you a, a turnover in a, in a three-score game. Like They were not going to lead to an actual loss. So I think the thought is that you learn from mistakes and wins rather than playing a really good established team and losing. And I look at somebody like LSU last year where they played Florida State in the very first game of the year. And I know Florida State ended up having a, a perfectly acceptable season. But in my opinion, LSU got continually better throughout the majority of the season, save for that Texas A&M game at the end. If LSU plays Florida State at a different point in last year, I feel better about LSU's chances than I did when the very first game of Brian Kelly when they had all kind of mayhem going loose. So I think, again, it can work both ways, but I think that the more experienced teams are favored earlier in a season as opposed to the teams like Auburn where you're going to have so much new that you're just it's going to be a constant learning experience with not only the, the coaching staff but also all the different transfer portal players and, and that sort of thing. So I think that's where Brian's coming from there. Okay. Uh, I guess my view, guys, was, was what maybe – the team and the coaching staff might get a false sense of, hey, you know, we're really a lot better than we thought we were because we're playing these mediocre teams. And then, uh oh, just because we beat UMass and other and Cal 52 to 10, uh, that maybe was a false sense of how much progress we'd made or not. Well, I, I don't think it's a false sense because I think we're all very aware of what those teams are. Like, if we thought that Cal was going to be a 9 or 10 win team this year, then Auburn won a decisive victory, well, then that would be one thing, and we would be thinking, oh, Auburn might be set up for a really big year this year. But we all know that Cal's going to be struggling just to get to bowl eligibility. They're going to be struggling to get to five, six wins. And so because we know that, we know that even if Auburn beats Cal, yeah, it's a good thing. Like you want, to, you want to crush people. I mean, it's better to play well than to not. But we're not going to take, even if Auburn wins decisively, we're not going to take that to mean all of a sudden they're going to play with Georgia and Alabama. They're, they're going to go 10-2, and 11-1 and one this year. Like, like we have that knowledge of who Cal is, and we're pretty confident they're in a box that says, yeah, they, if they were in the SEC, they're only winning one 
one or two games, period. They might be Vandy. They may beat Missouri or something like that. They're not beating anybody else. So uh, we, we have that knowledge coming into it. So it, it's unfortunate for Auburn because it kind of feels like a lose-lose almost where, okay, you win the game, but if you win it by a touchdown or something, kind of looks kind of bad, looks kind of concerning, whereas they win it by four touchdowns, like, eh, that's nice, but they still got to actually do it against A&M, still got to do it against Georgia and LSU and all that. So, again, I don't want to belittle Cal to the point that there's just no chance of it being a close game or even a loss or that sort of thing because they are a Power 5 team. But, again, we have the knowledge that they are not supposed to be very good this year, and they certainly were not good last year. So, again, even in a decisive victory, I'm not sure we come out of that thinking all of a sudden Auburn's going to really raise the bar and have even higher expectations for this year. Okay, fair enough. I'll follow up to that, uh, guys. Um, you know, we've had coaching staff that when we got ahead, and I'm talking about both Tuberville would do this crap and Melzahn was notorious for it. We get a big lead maybe by three touchdowns, and then the team comes back on We lay back. We don't keep, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the medal, uh, right. the pedal to the medal. Uh, is shoot freeze, do you see him as being in that mode, or do you see him more like a Steve Spurrier? No, we're going to keep uh, scoring on you no matter – you know what the score is. You know, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. I'd have to study uh, how many blown leads Hugh Freeze has in his tenure and, and and that sort of thing. That that's a common tendency amongst many coaches. Is you get to a certain lead, you start to feel comfortable, and you take less chances. And a part of some of these teams' offenses is risk and reward and, and taking those chances, but actually making big plays when you take those chances and. You know, I, I'm not sure how how Freeze will operate. I mean, again, I think this offense will end up pretty balanced. Uh, I don't think it is necessarily run heavy offense. Where with Gus, I still think that ultimately it was a run heavy offense. I think with Tommy Tuberville, it was ultimately a run heavy offense. So it was very easy to resign yourself to. All right, now we're just going to really make sure we run the ball, and we're pretty good at it. So it might work out okay. Whereas a couple times, obviously, it did not work out okay. Obviously, Auburn blew a, hu- a huge lead with with Brian Harson in that Mississippi State game uh, when it was twenty eight to three. So co- well, yeah, yeah, well, you know, excuse me, you know, we blew. A- because I was at the game, and I know you guys, we blew a huge lead that we never should have been close in the prayer jerk and hair. Right. I mean, again, that was a – yeah. I mean, it was a three-score game in that one too. Uh, so, yeah, three touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. We almost blew it. Right. And so that has obviously been something that's happened multiple times. But, again, I can tell you that that's not just like an Auburn coach thing. Like, again, that – a lot of teams that – feel pretty good about running the ball, they're going to resort to running the ball a lot late in the game. I mean, it doesn't make – because if you're passing and you're throwing incomplete passes, then you stop the clock. You give the other team more time. And how often do teams that end up throwing incompletions, if they end up losing, do they talk about, well, I can't believe we threw those incompletions and stopped the clock for those other teams. So it can work both ways. Again, I think that it's natural that – that teams that run the ball like to resort to kind of being more conservative late in games. I think Auburn will be balanced. I don't think they'll completely go into a shell and, and run all the time with 10 minutes left to go in a game. But, again, that that is still more of a natural uh, thought process for most head coaches out there. Yeah, because I, I just, you know, I get nauseated when I think of, gee, I don't hope – I hope this coach staff doesn't do some of the stuff that, you know, fans we had to contend with where, you know, and the stats were bored out. for satire, every week he showed – how we scored a lot of points in the first half. The second half, there were even games in which we scored no points in the second half. Sure. And again, and a that, lot of that has to do with defensive adjustments right, on about, the other side of the field. I was about to say that also goes into as the offense becomes maybe more 
into itself and more conservative, again, it gets easier to stop. And so you adjust something at halftime to, to stop the simple stuff, and all of a sudden the simple stuff's getting stopped. And, and you've gone simple because you got a big lead and you're trying to you know, make sure you don't do anything stupid and you just end up being too passive. Well, that's what I, I hope. You know, and I don't see Freeze being a guy that plays scared. It seems like to me that Gus Nelson and even Chizik uh, and, and Trump will play kind of scared, timid. But anyway, moving on, guys. Uh, I heard Matt's comments about UMass, and let me let you know how bad UMass really is, according to ESPN's SP Plus rankings. Have you seen it? The ESPN Plus rankings? Yes. Uh, I have not. Okay, Auburn is ranked 26. You want to take a guess, an educated guess, at what UMass is ranked by them? Uh, what 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 would that be? 133. Out of, out of 133, yeah. Again, we, we've talked about it. Uh, they're not good, and they're not supposed to be any good at all. So I'm thinking, good gosh, we should see third and fourth string people in the fourth quarter playing, right? You would hope should so. Because if we're not, uh-oh, you can make something out of that one, right, if that doesn't happen. Yeah, uh, again, th- th- that's the type of team that they are FBS, but, I mean, there's going to be some FCS teams that, quite frankly, might end up better than them this year. So I mean, we, should, we should see Holden Grider or a walk-on being quarterback in the fourth quarter, hopefully, right? Yeah, in theory, you're up about four touchdowns at half, maybe even five possessions, and so you put your second string in about midway through the third, and then midway through the fourth, you're, after about two or three drives, you're able to put your third string in. All right, and there's a column, guys, you may want to look at uh, by Tom Fornelli. You know him. Yes, I do. CBS. It's entitled Five Potential Chaos Teams Ready to Wreak Havoc on College Football Playoffs Race in 2023 season. Uh, have you seen that column yet? I have not, but it sounds like a good one. Yeah. So uh, what were the five teams? Hey guys, did you hear me? Uh, you cut out there for a second. We did not. Yeah, cut out. Yeah, well, uh, one of the teams is Auburn. Okay. Well, Auburn's he always says, chaos. I love this comment. Me laugh. He says Auburn is a chaos team in perpetuity off the field season for reasons. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. Next team that might cause chaos is Baylor. Oh, okay, interesting. Another team, Colorado. Yeah, you can see that. Another one is Florida. I said, wait a minute. This team's total win, according to uh, the uh, Vegas people, is, is only five and a half. Yeah, I'm not sure about Florida. I don't know if I'd buy that one. Yeah. And finally, Michigan State. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, may, maybe. Maybe. I just, I'm so low on Mel Tucker right now. So, so maybe being too low on Mel Tucker, maybe I've got to market adjust a little bit. Maybe he will have a little better year this year. Okay, finally in basketball, I'm, I'm sorry guys, in uh, football, uh, from uh, Duke, Philip Dukes on 247 Sports. Uh, you know, five-star defensive lineman Cameron Franklin is due to announce his commitment come this Saturday. And apparently Auburn is in the thick of it, and it looks like uh, that Duke is leaning towards us. But, of course, he says now Miami is starting to show signs of late confidence, according to his intel sources. So, guys, have you got any uh, inside uh, sources that tell you we are very likely to land uh, Mr. Franklin, or, or have you heard anything different from what Duke Scoops uh, 
Uh, Phil Duke says. Yeah, I mean, again, Kamari Franklin, we talked a little bit about him yesterday. This is another big potential get. I, I have felt that Auburn has trended in a positive direction, yeah. and, and I feel that Auburn is the team to beat. That Again, that does not mean in the next 72 hours that will not change under any circumstance. Uh, but I do think Auburn leads, and I feel decent about it. Again, I would reference the Cam Coleman saga. Where he ends up going to A and M. So again, that, ask you, do you feel that good as Cam or, or not? Yeah, I don't know if I want to say as good as Cam because I don't know if I ever feel as good as, as, please, as please that. Please don't feel that good. Uh, but uh, I, I feel pretty good about it. Uh, and again, I think it's uh, ever since that that last visit, the end of July, right before the dead period, uh, for the big big cat weekend. I, I really think that that gave Auburn the edge, and Auburn has only added to that lead since then. Okay. Hi, guys. That's all I've got. Hey, uh, thank you very much for your time, as always. Enjoy it again, uh, the people that you have on there. And uh, when you run to J.J., uh, tell him uh, I said a uh, more damn eagle to it. Absolutely, I will. Hi, guys. Have a safe afternoon evening, and uh, we'll do this again tomorrow. War Eagle. War Eagle Steve. That's retired War Damn Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to take one final time out here in the second hour of the show. We'll be right back to wrap up hour number two, set up hour number three right after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player, national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Again, coming up 5 o'clock hour, a preview of Tennessee football this afternoon. And in the 5 o'clock, uh, to start the 5 o'clock hour, the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group, and that will be Atlanta Braves related. A few more minutes left in this hour, though, however, as we continue to Analyze where this football team is at as, again, we're about halfway through the fall practice season. Another Hugh Freeze press conference tomorrow. I would think that that would give us another clue on some of these position battles and also great work by the likes of Brian Matthews, who at Auburn Rivals posted his kind of projected where things stand depth chart. Go check that out. Uh, The unit that is starting to make some people wonder, though, again, We've talked quarterbacks, talked wide receivers, talked a lot of offense. On the defensive side of the ball, the, a lot of worry about that front seven and how they ranked last year against the rush. Again, losing a couple of your top players in the front seven. Um, you know, there is real holes to fill there uh, in that front seven. Auburn brought in several transfers and. 
I, you know, with a new defensive coordinator. I don't know. There's just there's more unknowns here. And if you told me today that the offense was actually going to work out pretty good this year, yet Auburn was going to be outscored in some higher scoring games, I, I could still believe that at this time. Uh, given what still needs to be developed on the defensive side of the ball. Um, where do you think the front seven is at right now? And uh, how how concerning when you think about who Auburn will play this year, the likes of Georgia, Ole Miss, LSU, and you know, all the good stuff year in, year out, like how concerning would it be to have a front seven that is below average? I mean, if, if it's a front seven that's below average, then I'm very, very concerned. And uh, – I, th- right now there are concerns because there are unknowns there, but what you hope for is that, that this new staff is going to develop some guys. Maybe you have a newcomer that steps in and, and really becomes a force. So you would like to see them be at least a little bit above average. I mean, it, right now they don't have to be great. They don't have to be some of the, the Alabama defenses of, of the past several years or some of the Miami defenses from way back when. You don't have to be that but if you can be a little bit above it's be average, average or above average, sure. yeah, then, then then you're okay because you got guys behind you that can step it up, I, and so I think the development of some of these guys and some of the new talent coming in, I think that they can be a little bit above average. I am concerned because right now the unknowns you have to put them. I mean, our last memory is them getting just thrashed by darn near everybody last year, so that's in the back of your mind of. Man, this is a defensive front that just got pushed around by everybody last year. Even some weaker teams were pushing them around. So, while that's in the back of your mind and it is a concern, you have to understand that it's a new staff. Maybe they're developing a little bit better. Maybe they've got a different philosophy in the weight room to, to you know, pack some pounds on and get some, uh, you know, a little bit more strength there. And then the new guys. So, while there is concern right now, I think it will be – uh, lessened once you kind of see this group get on the field and start playing. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know we've been I've been seeing some good stuff about the the pass rush and and the the line in general about um, how they seem to have you know put on some weight. We've we you know we read about the weight changes and some of the D line guys how they've gained gained some weight um, as well as guys like um, you know I've read Jalen McLeod he's he's really um, stepping up. Uh, they're saying Keldrick Falk he's going to be a problem um, you know on the defensive line and then you know you have the veteran in Elijah McAllister who who is probably going to end up being kind of like the anchor uh, leader of the defensive line. Um, with with the experience that he has already playing in the SEC when he was at Vanderbilt, so those three guys are definitely guys that I would be interested in watching, um, seeing how they're going to be able to step up. And um, Keldrick Falk is somebody um, who I mean, even just I was talking to Javon Reed the other day, he was somebody that uh, he said, you know, Falk is going to be a problem. He's going to be somebody that's really going to be disruptive on that D line, and that's exactly what you need. Yeah, no, and you're right, Cam. We did talk, I think it was last week's show, maybe the week before, about some of those weight gains up front. And there's a lot on the offensive line, but then of the guys on the defensive side of the ball, all the weight gains were in the front seven with the exception of uh, there's one weight loss from Osiris Nisilakiete. But there was like uh, Jason Jones had put on 8 to 10 pounds. Uh, I think Justin Rogers uh, had put on weight, maybe even Marcus Harris. Um, Elijah McAllister even. I mean, he's at, I think, 275 or something in there now, 265, something. I mean, he's he's uh, pretty large now. Yeah, 271 is what he's listed at, 6'6", 271 now. So um, 
they know that that was a, a, a problem area. And that's the thing that it's going to be tougher to evaluate going forward with all these teams. And, and now the way roster management is, is it's no longer as many guys going from year one to year two to year three to year four, all within the same program. The development process going from year two to year three, year one to year two, whatever, is now being entrusted by multiple different programs. Uh, and this is evident at Auburn, especially right now with a new coach, as after there was another dismissal or a, another uh, another situation last night where a player is no longer with the program, uh, in 2021 recruiting yeah. class now, yeah. um. <laughs> there is only one player yep. left. It was uh, So it's Garner Langlow that is no longer with program and offensive tackle. There's one player from mm. the 21 class. That's Jarquez mm. Hunter. Now, it was less people to begin with. It was only 18 yeah, recruits, which, by the way, class. you should never only have 18 recruits. Yeah, you should have well. at least 22, 23, 24. Yeah. Uh, but uh, 18 players from 2021 class, and only Jarquez Hunter remains. And now, look, that's a good one. If you can only pick one, that's a good one to yeah, pick. But <laughs> that's still awful. And the sort of thing is we understand. I mean, it's a different administration. The recruiting was not going to begin with. Half those guys were just, quite frankly, not SEC quality. Just, just, just yeah. period. Just not, half of them were not. Uh, so it's again reasonable. It's not like it's this awful thing that we just can't get over. But it is the state of football and the state of a program that's trying to uh, trying to change a lot about itself after the last two years uh, is that roster acquisition. Uh, the, or talent acquisition, excuse me, roster management, all that now is just so much different with the arrival of the portal and arrival of new coach and being good recruiting on both the high school and the college transfer portal side of things. We are out of time here for hour number two. When we come back in hour number three, Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group on the Atlanta Braves. And a little bit later, a preview of Tennessee football. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here this afternoon. Also, our guy, T.P. Hammock, no longer our intern, our 
Uh, great employee now, T.P. Hammock, uh, running the board, taking your phone calls this afternoon. If you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401, locally or toll-free, one triple eight nine tiger 9 But it is now time for the Sports Call 5 at 5, and it's presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends, and Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that, too. Call John Harden at 334 324-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selandgroup.com. Today for the Sports Call 5 at 5, we're doing the next five Brave series. It's a very interesting stretch, so we want to talk a little bit about that. So we start our Sports Call 5 at 5 with... Number one. Number one is the next series up for the Braves. So again, we're going with the next five. Three versus the San Francisco Giants. Of course, in the middle of a homestand right now, starting with the New York Yankees. Been going good so far. We'll talk a little bit about that in just a minute. But three with the Giants. Giants are a wild card competitor. They are an above 500 team. And they're about to have a stretch with the Braves where they see each other a good bit here over the next two weeks. So three with the San Francisco Giants at home. Number two. After that, it's another series with the New York Metropolitans. The Mets come back into town after the Braves were able to take three of four in Queens. Of course, the Braves have enjoyed seeing the Mets recently, uh, and maybe even for longer than just recently. But uh, another series with the Mets after a series with the Giants. Number three. Then back with the Giants, but this time on the road. And it starts a very important road trip, which is why I wanted to get into this on the Sports Call 5 at 5. So, again, number one, you got three versus the Giants at Truist, three versus the Mets at Truist. And then number three here is going to San Francisco to start a long road trip. And after the three games in San Francisco. Number four. You go to a team that's not very good, but it's a very tough ballpark to play in on pitching staffs. Three at the Colorado Rockies. And of course, the Rockies... Look, the, they hit because also because of their park. The Braves have had more pitching travails as of late, although it's been better against the Yankees. Of course, a lot of things will be better if you face the Yankees the way they played this year. Uh, but three at Coors Field, and then after those six, first six games on the road trip, it culminates with number five, the Los Angeles Dodgers for four, which very well may decide the number one seed in the National League. The one and two is going to be the Braves or the Dodgers, just in what order. And I just talk about this stretch because it feels like it all leads up to that Dodgers series, in my opinion. you got six games out of nine against the Giants. The Giants are a team that, again, they're not going to win the West because of the Dodgers. They're nine out now, but they're 64-56. and 56, And so uh, that is still a solid, respectable team. And it is a team that holds the second wild card spot. Miami is the third wild card team right now. But the Giants, uh, being second, they're very much in the hunt, and they need those games. There's going to be important six games. The Giants will be taking, trying to take whatever they can in that stretch. And then it goes, again, that long road trip starts in San Francisco, a place where it's very tough to hit, not a hitter's ballpark at all. Then you go to the ultimate hitter's ballpark in Colorado. Colorado's awful. 
They're not good at all. It's not necessarily about the wins and losses in Colorado, though you do need to win the series. Right. But it's about how your pitching staff sets up for then when you play the very pivotal series against the Los Angeles Dodgers, which is at LA, and it's going to be four games. And LA right now, 72 and 46. They have won nine in a row. They are trying to chase down the Braves. They are four and a half behind Atlanta for the best record in the National League. So, I'm simply suggesting that, hey, it is kind of unfortunate for that to be the end of a very long road trip, a road trip that's not guaranteed success. When you're talking about a wild card quality team of the Giants, you're talking about a team that taxes your bullpen in Colorado, you then have four at L.A. So this is a very important stretch, in my opinion, securing that one seed. Braves are going to win the National League East. That's been over for a few weeks. It's now up to 12 and a half. Don't have to worry about that element to it. It's just simply one versus two, and again, getting – to play the Dodgers at home, because the Dodgers didn't win the division that year two years ago, getting to play them at home helped them immensely in that series, which ultimately culminated the Braves winning the series going to the World going to the World Series. So that's, I think, the target if you're a Braves fan is that Dodgers series, that four-game set. Can you win that series? Can you assert your dominance in the National League? And can you lock up or feel really good about leaving that series as the number one team in the National League? Yeah, locking up that number one seed is definitely now the priority. It's definitely been shifted, right? Like you said, Ryan, um, the the NL East is is locked up. Now you just gotta face. You gotta worry about now maintaining this lead that you have because, like you said, the Dodgers are trying to chase down the Braves, winning nine in a row. Um, the Braves have to be able to continue to uh, win games, win series, take two out of three, three out of four. You know, and and. Um, try to dominate as best as possible. So, you know, how they're playing against how they played against New York or excuse me, the Mets um, and now playing against the Yankees, you have to continue to win those series. You have to continue to do that. Then going up against San Francisco, you know, these are the key uh, key matchups that you have to face um, or that you yeah, that you have to face to be able to to maintain this lead. Um, so, yeah, as long as, you know, the, the one against Colorado is definitely going to be the worrisome one. Hopefully the offense is able to kind of really flex their muscles uh, so you don't have to worry about the bullpen as much. Um, you know, maybe throw out some of your end guys because you have a big lead and you're able to – you don't have to worry about um, – uh, you know, using the arms that you would use in the pivotal situations that you are ultimately going to face when you go to L.A. Um, and face that that uh, that lineup. So, yeah, locking up the one seed obviously is, is the priority now. Um, and you have to be able to continue to assert the dominance that you have throughout most of the season. Yeah, and look, again, this series to me is so important because I feel that there is still an edge to the home team. Now, I know the Braves, granted, that year were able to win everywhere. They were able to clinch the World Series on the road. Uh, and it feels like the true champions do that. Like Ultimately, it's such a important thing to get home field, but also at the same time, the, the champions don't care. The right. champions go in other places. We see this in basketball. We see this in baseball true. where the champions just go wherever and, and yep, win. And, win. Uh, and, and so that is part of it. But still, you always like the comfort of home. Uh, the Braves have been, to their credit, very balanced. They're 39-20 and 20 at home. They're 38-22 on the road. So they have not really wavered no matter where they are. But still, I, I want to see, especially with the Dodgers so hot, how they stack up. Because, I mean, by the time they play, it's going to be the calendar turning into September. So we've got one month to go here. And, again, I, I'm not even worried about – or and should no one should be worried about this. You know, 
they're going to get the first round by because they're going to be a top two seed. Top two seeds get a first round off and it's three six four five in the in the wild card round uh the the brewers who are the other going to be the i should say going to be because the cubs and reds are still in it but whoever wins the central are going to be way behind for a record the brewers lead the nl central they have the exact same records the phillies so again the brave the nl west winner the dodgers and the nl east winner braves are going to be the one and two it's just in what order and so there's also that element too can they be the best record in the bigs the orioles are the best team in the al at 74 and 46 and then uh, there's hot pursuit from the Rangers, who's 72 and 48. And then even the Rays, you don't want to count out 72 and 50. Uh, so that's about six and a half, six behind Atlanta. Yeah, man. Um, Look at the Orioles, man. Just, yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Good for that franchise. They had, they have struggled. The rebuild took a few yeah, years. Did, but but now they are here. It, it's, it, pretty, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty reliable in baseball that if you rebuild, you will end up getting pretty good again at some point. Yeah. Uh, it, it does not work every single time, and it doesn't always work on the same timeline. Right. But that's why teams like Oakland and Tampa don't always stay bad because they don't ever sign the free agents. They use their farm system. And, again, we're talking about how bad Oakland is right now. Four or five years ago, they were in the playoffs a couple straight years. So right. it's not like it was that long ago, and they cycle like that all the time. This Braves team, they made painful decisions about 10 years ago to trade the likes of Kimbrell and the Uptons and that sort of thing. Took a couple years, took three, four years. And now the Braves are knocking on the door of six straight division titles. Uh, A lot of these teams have these cycles. And in the American League, again, the Orioles are no exception to that, uh, where they had to rebuild in a big way. They still had a playoff team here and there in the 2010s, but for the most part had to rebuild for several years and are now looking really good and very young team still, so no reason why they can't do it for multiple years. And as much as we hate them now, like the Astros were that way too. The Astros were really bad for a couple of years, and they retooled without Tuve and Correa, uh, and, and they've continued to add to it over the years. Now you got Jordan Alvarez, now you got Kyle Tucker. It's, it's gone on and on. But they, once upon a time, were bad. I mean, all these teams go bad. It feels different than where in the NBA it's like, I don't know, some teams might just be bad for like, Ever. ever you know Char- charlotte's just just perennially bad yeah I, I don't know what to do with them uh i'm I no offense to our board op tp right now like detroit just does not seem with much yeah, hope to I, me right now know. uh you know <laughs> and, and and there's just teams that way that just take so much longer to yeah. get back going where in baseball like i can put you on a three or four year plan pretty consistently yeah uh or pretty reliably i can put you on a three to five year plan uh last thoughts on baseball before we move on take our next break get to tennessee football as we preview all the SEC teams here is this Braves Yankees series and I went to a game the I don't know if it's 22 or 2021 uh, because the Braves are my favorite team baseball but if I had a second it'd be the Yankees always has been Uh, and so I went to that game the other year and it made me not dislike the Yankees because again I don't dislike the Yankees but I was getting perturbed because the Yankees won that game the Yankees fans incredibly loud incredibly boisterous they always are Uh, and they got that way a little bit on Monday night when they took an early lead even as depressing as the Yankee season has been and it has been very depressing (laughs) um, they were getting loud and blah 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 the Braves ended up winning that game 11-3 they come back last night the Yankees got less than three hits they didn't score three runs they got zero runs they got one singular hit Uh, it's been nice for the Braves to play these New York teams Two of the top three budgets, I believe, in the big leagues. I know the Mets are number one. The Yankees are either number two or number three. Yeah. And to just be decisive in these victories. 
absolutely yeah. uh, dominant uh, with yeah. these uh, five out of six now against the New York teams. And, and the other thing that that's so really awesome about this Braves team is once again it, that lineup is just so dangerous that anybody in that lineup from one through nine can hurt you. There's not a weak part of that lineup that you look at and you're like, if we can just as an opposing team, it's like. If we can just get through these first four guys unscathed, the rest of that lineup is cake. Yeah. And then we'll deal with the four when they come back up. No, it's like all the way down to nine. We're like, I, we can't afford to make a screw up against anybody in that lineup because it will hurt yeah. you. Uh, and then the pitching, same thing. Um, you have a guy like Bryce Elder throw a one hitter against the Yankees. When that's great. Well, you know, you had. Um, uh, Strider, one of his last times out, had one of the worst outings you've ever seen him have. And so you can have a guy have a bad night, but it's not going to cause a, a, a domino effect of bad stuff because no. you've got guys that step right back up and have the game of their career. And then I'm sure Strider is going to come right back and have an amazing game in his next start. So it, they, this team is just so well balanced in the, in the lineup and the pitching staff. Obviously, there's some questions uh, in the bullpen that need to be worked out. But, you know, if if that's your only issue on your team is that a few questions in the bullpen, yeah. then you're, you're sitting pretty good. Yeah. I mean, starting pitching seems to have kind of figured themselves out. We know Charlie Morton's kind of struggled a little bit. But, you know, since um, Saturday, uh, you know, Alan Winans, who got – who got brought up he that was randomly spectacular seven innings yeah. i mean great you know high quality baseball strider then goes seven yeah, strider um, was good know. in his last start yeah, yeah. Oh, it was the start before the start before where um, he was so bad yes, Ch- yes chirinos he struggled yep. a little bit um and, and then freed goes six and then elder goes goes seven. i think seven yeah. yeah so i mean the the starting pitching for the most part if you can find out who you want is that 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 fifth guy if you can figure out obviously you know that might rotate around uh, i i kind of like what winans was doing i know it was a small sample yeah. size but he he seemed to have been dealing pretty well um you know chirinos is just a little bit uh he can't get through the game yeah he, I've, he's a little inconsistent I, I need to go back and check when all the runs have been allowed but it feels like multiple times he's gone three or four innings only allowing like one run right and then he gets that fifth inning and they can't get him through the fifth. Yeah. And again, that gets into like getting through, get to about the third time in the order. Because right. remember, Tampa would switch him between long relief and starting. Right. And, you know, his career ERA is below four. He's been a completely acceptable pitcher. But with Atlanta, he's, his ERA is like eight because he'll get to that fifth inning or so. And then he gives up three or four runs and he right. freaks out. I think of his four starts, one of the starts he got hit early. I think it was the Pittsburgh start. He gave up four or five runs early. Yeah. Yep. But all the other starts have been like, all right, he's through four and the Braves lead four to one. It's like, yay. And then he <laughs> leaves the game. It's like, it's four, four now. Yeah. No. no yeah, you know, so it's exactly. just like, it almost, he's almost proving that if he's to be on this team, he's going to be a long reliever, long not reliever. a starter. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, with the, with, like you said, Tom, with the, with the lineup, you know, even, Losing, you know, Ozzy Albies is on the just got put on the ten day IL. You replace that with Mickey Lopez, who is, I mean, it's hitting about seven hundred, <laughs> right? Since he became a break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just ridiculous how how you know Anthopoulos has been able to find guys that are high quality, that are just solid. Repl- I mean, solid replacements. I mean, you get no no real 
crazy drop off from Ozzy to Nikki as you're as you're seeing it. Um, and, and you know, like we said, he's a utility guy, so he can play everywhere. He played a little bit of shortstop. Um, he he replaced Arcia when they played the doubleheader against uh, the Mets on Saturday, and then um, he's now playing the the second baseman. And then he pitched a little bit uh, in the ninth inning. So I mean, obviously, you no, know, not realistic pitching because it was a blowout. But um, you know, guys like that have been absolutely instrumental, and, it, and it's going to be key how um, how those guys are used moving forward. I, you know, you mentioned Anthopolis, and, and yes, he what he's been able to he he has just hit on it seems like everything that he's done. You know, being able to keep guys on the team that that kind of that core. Uh, yeah, you lose Dansby, but you but you haven't dropped off anything there. I mean, you're you. You see, it was an all star. He's an all star. Yeah. <laughs> but the but the biggest that I look at is the whole Freddie Freeman to to Matt Olson deal. Uh, you know, everybody was in full panic mode when Freddie Freeman was no longer with the Braves. He makes a move to get Matt Olson. That guy is on pace to set records that have never been broken. Yeah. I mean, and hey, an all star, an all star. He's he's on pace to break some of Hank Aaron's records. Potential MVP candidate. Yeah, right. It's like, I mean, you talk about a dude that just seems like right now just can't miss. I mean, every move that he makes, he replaces it with somebody that is as good, if not even better. It's it's just been wild how he's been able to do that. Two quick stats for you about Braves individuals, then we'll get to our next phone call on the Auburn phone line, and then our next timeout uh, is batting average. So Orlando Arcia bats eighth when everyone's healthy in the Braves order. <laughs> his, his, his average He's is crazy. 17th in Major League Baseball in batting average at 285 right oh, now. 285, he's down. Okay. 285 right now. That's 17th in the league. Now, Michael Harris is hitting around that. He doesn't qualify. Not enough at-bats because of the injuries hitting towards the end of the order, etc. But your eighth-place hitter okay, is, is top 20 in Major League Baseball in batting average. Give you one more. Home runs. Your sixth-place hitter most of this year has been Marcelo Zuna. He hit his 24th homer last night. He is tied for 18th in home runs. So your eighth place hitter is top 20 in Major League Baseball in batting average, and your sixth place hitter is top 20 in Major League Baseball in home runs. So we already know the prowess at the top of the order, Acuna, Riley, Albies, Olsen, etc. But you get to the bottom half, bottom third, all right, still top 20 power guy, top 20 contact guy. There are no breaks in this lineup. It cannot be said enough. It's been absolutely awesome to watch. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 and join us on the Auburn Make phone line. We go back to the Auburn Make phone line. Michael from Auburn. Michael is with us. Michael, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing good, guys. I was actually going to call in before I even heard what y'all were talking about. But uh, Braves uh, all-time, like, the season team record, I'm, I'm just looking at a couple of stats for you. Uh, 2003 was their offensive uh, record for a lot of stats, home runs, runs, hits, extra base hits, uh, and, and batting average. Right now, um, the record for home runs is 235. Right now, just looking at the Braves' stats and, and doing some quick crunches, they're sitting at 231 right now. Uh, so that, that record will definitely go down. Runs, the record's 907, and they're sitting right about 700. So I think we got a good shot at that, too. Hits is 1608. Uh, I don't know where we are there, but I would think, you know, hits is probably pretty good. Their average, batting average, 
it's 284 for the record, and then extra base hits is 587. I think you got a chance for at least all five of those to go down. We know the home run record will go down. That could go down this weekend. So uh, we'll just see. I, I'm, I'm excited, but I just hope, you know, it's all about getting hot at the right moment. Uh, and, and Braves have had a history, you know, with the 13 consecutive and then get to the playoffs. So, but I'll, I'll leave you with this. It's just my opinion. Sure. Uh, I, I, I love I love Bobby Cox, but uh, I thought he was a little overrated uh, for for what he's doing. And I think when it's all said and done, Snickers going to be the better manager. Just okay. my thoughts. All right. Well, we've certainly. Hey, it's a great problem to have when you're talking a guy that won double digit division titles versus a guy that's about to go six in a row and already has World Series too. Uh, it's a pretty good argument. So uh, we appreciate that phone call, Michael. Appreciate it. That is Michael from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Uh, yeah, no, those uh, those offensive stats, pretty unbelievable. I think the average right now is like 275. I think he said 284 is the record. So not sure if that one will fall. But, yeah, the runs, homers feel like a good chance, extra base hits, uh, that sort of thing. There's a, a lot of records the Braves are going to set franchise record. Then individually, someone like Matt Olson. Uh, could break some individual records as well. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, get to a little Tennessee football as we continue to preview all the SEC teams prior to the start of the season. Back with Tennessee football right after this. attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show my name is my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 i'm deshaun davis former auburn tigers football player and all sec linebacker you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here this afternoon. If you missed anything so far, the Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever missed Sports Call Live, if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. All right, so we get into Tennessee football now as we've only got a few teams remaining in our SEC team previews. Yesterday we had LSU, who was picked second in the West. Today we have Tennessee, who's picked second in the East. Tennessee, I mean, the storylines this year are going to revolve around Joe Milton. They just are. What I'm curious to see is where that defense stands because the defense had been playing – Much better football for the majority of last year, except when they played, obviously, Alabama, and that was a very uh, high-octane, thrilling football game. But then when they gave up 63 to South Carolina, uh, that seemed problematic. It adjusted their averages a lot, but, I mean, that was a team that was allowing only around 20 points a game uh, until that South Carolina game. So their defense was actually much better last year. It was a complete effort. Obviously, their offense was tremendous. Um, let me let me ask the, let me ask it this way: If Milton is just okay, 
Like, if he's not Hendon Hooker, he's not awesome, but he's just decent. He's not bad either. He's just decent. Where does that put Tennessee? That puts Tennessee – I would probably say that puts them at eight wins. Okay, about yeah. eight, eight and four teams. Yeah, he's just okay. Four, All right, Tom, what do you four, think? Maybe nine. Maybe not nine at Because we do, because we do like road less traveled by. We do like most likely outcomes. We do high, uh, ceilings and floors all the time sure. with the team. But if if because we all think that Milton has the chance to be awesome, what if he's just in between awesome and terrible? Or what if he's just okay? What does that mean for Tennessee this year? Yeah, well, I mean that that's a if he's not as good as hyped, then you're looking at eight wins. I mean. That there, there's losses on this schedule that are there yeah. if you don't have solid quarterback yeah. play. And there's other questions around there. Now, you mentioned their defense. They've got seven returning starters on defense, so you got to feel comfortable about that. But you only got five returning off starters on offense. So there are questions with Tennessee. I mean, there's a lot of hype with them, with Josh Heupel. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> um, certainly did. Certainly <laughs> did. Corn ball. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there is a lot of hype there with them, but yeah, I mean, if you don't get the good quarterback play, when you're already missing a lot of guys, you've had a lot of guys leave from the team last year. You're gonna have to have that. But uh, yeah, you look through that schedule. I mean, there's several games that are potential losses without that solid quarterback play. This team last year averaged 46 points a game, and year one of Heupel, year one of Hooker, it was 39 points a game. I, I doubt it would be to 46 this year. Can they be 39 again? If they are 39, then I feel good about it because let, let's look at the schedule. The non-conference, I just don't think they're losing non-conference game. Virginia, Austin P, UTSA, and UConn in basketball. Virginia right. and UConn would be something that's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's worse. Uh, but... I think that the toughest of those four is actually UTSA, which I would still not worry too, too much about from Tennessee. Uh, so that leads them to 4-0. They're West. Obviously, they always play Bama. And then they've got A&M, but it is at home. As long as you don't lose to A&M there, which, again, that could be a very interesting game, look at the rest of the, look at the, rest of the schedule. I mean, Georgia's going to be incredibly tough. We get that. But are you really worried about Missouri, Vandy, even no. at Kentucky, maybe, maybe that uh, Kenta- Kentucky could be interesting. That because if, it depends on what Kentucky is. I, I because I truly, let me rem- remind you of last year's game, although it was in Tennessee, forty-four to six. It's forty-four to six Tennessee last yeah. year, yeah. and and that's one of those things where that's why I always put this arbitrary ceiling on Kentucky. Because there's this certain talent level that when you play a certain type of talent level, you just can't obtain that. There's yeah. no amount of coaching gets you past a certain talent sure. level. But but you're also talking about a Tennessee offense last year that was absolutely dynamic, high-octane, high, 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 octane, yeah. high scoring. I don't know that you're going to get that this year. I think they're going to have a good offense. I don't think they're going to be as high-octane as they were last year. Uh, I like Milton at quarterback, but I don't think he's going to be able to provide – that huge spark that you saw last year with how many guys they're losing. Uh, you know, again, you've only got five dudes back on that offense. Uh, so, you know, while I think the offense is going to be good, it's not going to be nearly as dynamic. Uh, 
At least I don't believe so. It could be. It could be. I just don't think it's going to be. Right. It's a high bar to obtain. Sure. Now, Milton played a decent amount there at the end. Look, they lost South Carolina with 25 points. They scored 38. It was not like it was offensively no, right. awful. <laughs> it's just the defense, defense was particularly was, bad. The de- there was a trip to Columbia, South Carolina, and the defense thought it was Columbia, Missouri. They went the other <laughs> way. They just didn't show up to the to the East Coast. Right. Uh, they, they then pounded Vandy, 56-0, no problem. Uh, and then they beat Clemson. Like That was a real win with, the, with more of like the team that's going to be this year because it was with Milton. And at least the thing that I like about Milton is – Look, he played about three games or so last year, three and a half. No picks. For a guy that has that big of an arm to not overthrow somebody into a pick, that makes me feel a little bit more encouraged about this year. Now, again, I still think that it's a bit – again, you have to be a Milton guy to say he's going to produce like Hooker and the offense is going to look the same. Yeah. But I think Milton showed enough last year to at least say, you know, I don't think there's a disaster scenario. Faith, yeah. I don't think he's just going to be be awful and and and, and hype will be a, uh, be fraudulent on, on, on offense. Yeah. I think they're still going to be really good offensively. They might be more around 37, 38 a game instead of the, the, the 46. But if they're scoring 35, 36 a game – you know that might disqualify them from pulling the upset in Tuscaloosa or beat Georgia, but that could still be a nine or ten win team. Yeah. And it's still Tennessee. Now we've gotten top of the league. That ceiling is still there to go and beat one of those. Uh, it, it's still possible. Like we still have to know with Bama, we still got to know what that offense does look like, particularly at quarterback. With Georgia, we've got to see. Because they will have, again, Georgia will have one of the easier schedules in this league. Uh, I mean, Georgia, before you even get to the – I mean, Tennessee's late in the year. Georgia will at least get tested by Ole Miss. But Georgia's toughest road game is Tennessee. But they will not be tested in the way that they will be. I mean, obviously Auburn will provide a great environment. I'm just not sure the team's ready there. But, I mean, Tennessee will be the toughest game Georgia plays all year. Right. So, you know – it's college football. Is Georgia going to be better than Tennessee this year? Yes. But could Georgia lose Tennessee in my mind? Yes. That yeah. would be the one I would pick above all else. But, again, Milton would have to be tremendous. I, again, I think I'm good with no disaster scenario. Do you see any disaster scenario for Tennessee? Do you think there's a world where Milton's just, just absolutely not good? No, yeah. I, okay. don't, I don't think so. Well, No, I mean, I. so the thing is, I, I think there is the scenario where Milton is still pretty good, but – you don't get a lot of the guys stepping up around him. That could be the potential. I would worry a little bit about the offensive line. I think sure. Scopes is fine. I mean, they lost Jalen Hyatt. Uh, excuse me, Jalen Hyatt. But their next three receivers, including a guy named Squirrel, yeah. is Squirrel White. So I'm not worried. You got a Squirrel. You got Brew who's McCoy. Be quick. And you got Brew McCoy. Yeah, Brew had 600 yard receptions or 600 yard receiving last year, and their top two running backs are back. Like their skill positions are fine. They lost one guy that really mattered to them, and Hyatt did matter a lot, but he was the only one. So really, what we're talking about is replacing most of the offense line, which can make things break down. Totally get it. Uh, we'll see how that situation goes. But if their line's fine, they're going to be set up for success everywhere else, in in my opinion. Um, Do you think – because, I mean, we've been going so chalk. Do you want to make any bold predictions about Tennessee, whether either having a bad year or being able to beat Bama again or to beat upset Georgia this year? Do you want to make any bold bold proclamations or are they going to hang around 9-3 and or so? Uh, I mean, I – 
Uh, I want to say that they're going to beat Georgia, but I'm not going to do it. I want to <laughs> because good. I just don't know. I don't know how the team's going to look. I don't know how the defense is going to look. Uh, I mean, last year was Tennessee's best team in, uh, I mean, a decade. Yeah, at the long time. Least. That was and the best team st- since Fulmer. Yeah. Yeah. And and they still got, you know, they still got beat by Georgia. 27 you know, to 13. Not, not beat yeah. down. Yeah. Well, if you remember but if you remember that game, it but, was kind of a beat down. They they did not score yeah, that last touchdown and, until moments right. to and go. It was the game. a little yeah. bit it was a little bit rainy yeah. if I remember they, correctly. Again, I want to put it in perspective. The, Tennessee scored 46 points a game last year and Georgia had them down at 6 right. with a few yeah, minutes left right. in that game. Yeah. 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 So to be fair, yeah. That, mean, that's why it's tough for me because I've seen that. I'm like, well, what what would make this year different? Well, I guess being in in Knoxville, but right. I I, you know, I do think that and that's worth something. It is a difference. Uh, I, I think being in Knoxville makes a, a pretty pretty big difference. So I think that could that could be one to watch. I think it obviously, like I said, it depends on Milton. It depends on how good he ends up being and and um, and how that offense is going to be able to operate. Um, I mean, I think if they get up to 40 points a game, I think that's, you know, that's, capable yeah. of beating the likes of Georgia because we don't know. We don't even know how Georgia's going to look. We don't know how Georgia's offense is going to look. I mean, they have you know, questions they, at quarterback. They, they have questions at quarterback. I don't know how they're going to look. I mean, you know, obviously the expectations are high and their defense is still going to be really good, really, really talented. I mean, you know, it's always next man up. It's now it's who's the next five star. I mean, that's just how it is for them now. Um, so that defense is definitely still going to be stifling, but that offense has questions, and they they've lost now their you know their their quarterback pillar in Stenson Bennett, and so you have questions of who's going to be you know are they going to be able to deliver an offense? You got to score points to win, so I I do have questions about that. I wonder. So uh, I I give Tennessee a a shot. Again, I, it depends on Milton, but I give them. I could I could see it happening this season. That Tennessee Georgia game, if Milton is good, that game is going to mean so much because they've got a nice little runway. Yes, they got to play Bama and at Kentucky in October, but then they've got UConn and then at Missouri. So look, it is three road trips out of four. I will say that. But prior to that Georgia game, immediately prior, UConn and at Missouri, you don't really have to worry about trap games there. Not not even Missouri, in my opinion. Again, Tennessee. <laughs> part of their offense. They scored 66 against Missouri last year. That was after the Georgia loss. Like, like They had every right to be a little demoralized after the Georgia game. They scored 66. So I think they're just that much better. And then that's the runway into the Georgia game. Mm-hmm. If if Tennessee only has one conference loss, that's for the division. Like If Tennessee can steer, steer clear of that South Carolina A&M, Bama, Kentucky stretch and only lose one, only lose one, hang in there, then that Georgia game's for the division, and it's on. It's in Knoxville. That will be a raucous atmosphere. So, I might go as far as say this because history says Georgia will not win the title this year. Georgia might act like the best team all year. They might be in the SEC title game. Shoot, they might even win the SEC title again. But history says they won't win it. Seventeen of the last nineteen AP number ones have not won the title, and it's not been three peats since nineteen oh oh's. When it was Minnesota or whenever it was. Minnesota. Minnesota. Uh, so history says this is not happening for Georgia this year, no matter how good they look, no matter how long they look it. So if Tennessee this is this is my this is my quantifier. If Tennessee has only one conference loss, go in that game, Tennessee wins. There you go. There's my hot take. There yeah. you want something bold? There it is. I found it. There it is. Now if Tennessee <laughs> has two, they lose to A and M and Alabama or to Bama and Kentucky. 
or South Carolina and Bama, whatever it is. Or they slip up in the swamp. They well, stumble yeah, over themselves or, or in the lose swamp. lose a random one at Florida. Yeah. Then they will lose to Georgia. But if they have one loss or less, then they're gonna they're gonna upset Georgia in that game. There's my hot take. There you and, go. and Jeff just heard that. Jeff's writing it down. He's like November the twentieth on that Monday. I might just go ahead and take the show off <laughs> if Tennessee loses that game. Um, but again, this is just me saying that that Knoxville environment is something. And at that point here, it's it's ten games in. So, like, we're going to know what we need to know. Milton's either going to be really good or he's not. And Tennessee's either going to be in a great place or not. There's not, there's not going to be a lot of questions on Joe Milton if they're 9-1 and one going that game and their only loss is to Bama or, or A&M or something and they've had to win some big games already. That, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's a hot take, but it actually shouldn't be that warm because if you're 9-1 and one at that point in the year, I don't think we have the same questions anymore. Oh. If you're 6-4, and four, then yeah, Milton's not working out right. and he's only okay or maybe even worse than okay. But again, I, I feel good enough seeing what we saw at the end of last year that there's not a disaster scenario for him. I think he's going to be at least baseline decent. Uh, can he be great? time will tell uh we need to take our final time out of the show now when we come back we'll get to sports calls nightly tv guide you're listening to the wednesday edition of sports call on tiger to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au we're done paying the bills now back to sports call on tiger 95.9 welcome back to sports call tiger 95.9 Ryan LaVoy, Canberry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. Appreciate T.P. Hammock, who's been running the board, taking your phone calls this afternoon. What well, was first day of classes for Auburn University? Uh, our guy Brant Daughtry uh, starting grad school today. Uh, in the words of the former head coach here, we wish him nothing but the best. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, no, everyone's back, and I've noticed uh, you, yeah, you, <laughs> right. Oh my god! There's still look, look. Auburn, uh, the Auburn of like area still has plenty Dude, of people even in the summer, and so like it's not like it's a ghost town. Certainly not to that degree. But you're like, okay, this is clearly better or clearly less traffic, less busy. And then you get to mid-August, and then all of a sudden, or well, really early August, and then it's like, oh, yes, it's this impossible. is real. It takes yeah. me 20 minutes to go half a mile. Yeah, look how long that drive-through is. Yeah not gonna be me and uh yeah so uh we've noticed but uh excited that students are back from the standpoint of certainly uh, well tp is shaking his head no he is also a student right now and he's not excited to be back but uh we're excited students are back and the framing that we'll do on this is because that means football is very near true and uh all these fall sports and 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 that sort of thing uh give you a little bit of a preview the days ahead for sports call uh, tomorrow, we will have preview of Alabama, 
And then Friday, a preview of Georgia. The show on Friday will be much shorter. It will be ending about 420, 425, somewhere there. As at 430, the Atlanta Falcons' yeah. second preseason game here uh, on Tiger 95.9. The coverage yeah. will start at 430. So we will have a shortened edition of the show again on Friday. Then next week, we preview Auburn on Monday, as well as getting into the Power 5 conference previews. By the time we get done with that, week zero, Vanderbilt in their unfinished stadium against Hawaii, some other teams play, New Mexico State, UMass, and the Auburn Cupcake Bowl. Uh, And then the next week, of course, is when everybody gets going and we have the complete schedule. And uh, we've got some exciting announcements coming up also in the coming days about some programming for – our radio stations over the fall, so stay tuned for that as well. Final minute or two of today's show. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. All right, Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Only a couple of sporting events tonight, 6 o'clock on ESPN. I was going to say only a couple more uh, sporting events for a couple more weeks, and then we'll be going much more frequently. Uh, Little League World Series continues on at 6 o'clock on ESPN. As uh, the kids who should be in school now, might I add, because uh, high school starts even earlier than college, so they're missing a lot of school. Uh, 6 o'clock on ESPN again for that. 620 Bally Sports South, final game of a three-game set between the New York Yankees and the Atlanta Braves. I've really enjoyed John Smoltz being in the booth, by the way, uh, for that these last couple nights, too. Next Wednesday, when the Braves play the Mets, Smoltz, Glavin, Francourt, Chipper Jones, Part 2. So that's going to be really that exciting. epic the first time. Uh, very much so. So uh, final game of the Braves-Yankees series before uh, the New York leaves town. That's 620 here uh, on Bally Sports South. Movie picks for you tonight, 7 o'clock on FX. It is Thor. 7 o'clock on TNT, it's Thor Ragnarok. So competing yes. ideas on which Thor you prefer. 7 o'clock either FX, you got Thor. 7 o'clock on TNT, you got Thor Ragnarok. And then 7 o'clock on Showtime 2. I appreciate this pick from Brooks, even though who has Showtime number 2? I don't know, not many. Uh, TP apparently does, though. So he can watch The Shining, one of the great horror movies of all time, starring Jack Nicholson. That is, again, 7 o'clock on Showtime 2. And that is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that will do it for the show today. Uh, Again, we appreciate everyone for tuning in. Cam, thank you for being here this afternoon. I know we were on one a week right now, but uh, uh, we'll see about uh, what happens here this fall. But, again, glad to have you back, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Glad to be here. And, Tom, thank you for being here throughout the week. Hope you have a great weekend. I hope you enjoy your meal later this evening, sir. And uh, yes. we'll talk to you again next week. Enjoy the week, and uh, looking forward to next week. Absolutely. And, uh, as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. We appreciate Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals for joining the program today as well. For our board op, T.P. Hammock, and for Cam Berry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>